0: Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. let's talk about sports on the radio right now it's the sports animals on espn honolulu uh top stories over the weekend uh well we're gonna have to start off with the bad news rainbow wahine volleyball team upset in the ncaa tournament ousted in the first round
1: I did not see that coming. I don't think many of us saw that coming. We were already looking ahead to Stanford on Saturday, uh, and uh, LSU down 1-0 to start that match. Wow, I felt so bad for the team. And you get into the tournament and how quickly it can end for some teams, and I know they'll be good next year, and they had a really good season overall. But to be up 1-0 and lose to a team that was fifteen and 13, 9 and nine in the conference, again, upset—an upset to say the least. I feel really bad for the team and uh, everybody involved that it didn't go on a little longer in the NCAA tournament.
0: Right. The um, Ambray Gd sixteen slam downs. Riley Wagner had twenty. Kalen Al- Alexander with fifteen, and it was—it it was a game, the, the, a match where. We didn't really have any runs. Hawaii would go on maybe a, you know, they'd be down something like 21 to 16, something like that. And Hawaii would, you know, go on a run of like three, bring it within two, and then LSU would just keep slamming the door on us. And I had never seen Kalen Alexander hit for 154. She had 15 kills, and they were feeding her a lot. And, but a lot of times, I don't know how many times, and I don't, I don't know enough about the sport actually to see, uh, you know, how many, block, how many shots she got blocked. But, um, you know, they were bringing it. I mean, that was a really good blocking team. I'm saying that just out of memory, not really looking at the stats because I don't know what I'm looking at. But, I mean, you know what? They, were, they outpowered us. They out us.
1: Yeah, and I know Robin Amo, after the game was talking about too many errors for the Rainbow Wahine as well that really cost and not so much of the serve receive but just throughout the match. And they were all fairly close and in the fourth set I kept thinking they're gonna come back, they're gonna do it again, they're gonna come back, you know, and go to five and uh just couldn't get over that hump. As you said, they had a run but they didn't have enough of a run like they've yeah, had in the it regular. Wasn't season. A run. I
0: wouldn't call that a run though. I mean going up three in a row, that's not a run. That's yeah, yeah. you know, I mean you gotta think basketball terms that okay, any moment we're gonna get any moment now we're going to go on a run and then we get a couple and you're like okay and then lsu will call timeout or something will go on or uh, i don't know how Taylor ikenaga uh, did i mean she hurt i mean she hurt her hand or cut her finger or something like that maybe that affected her although she did have 18 digs uh, on the day
1: <laughs> it sounds strange hearing you say digs <laughs> <laughs> dig them ups there we go. I, now it sounds like you. know like why you know. I'm reading the stats. The stat
0: sheet doesn't say dig them yeah. up. It says digs. How
1: unusual for you. And they should switch it to dig them up. You, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't, Robin, I'm also talked to the team afterwards, and I thought this was pretty interesting. She told everybody on the team to write down what your feelings are right now. And write them down and look at them in your journal or whatever every day until next season just remember what this felt like you know the preparation for next year starts now words to that effect i kind of like that and they were in the locker room apparently a long time after the match i'm sure there were a lot of emotions in there and you only lose one player as a senior milana bird but the fact that this team has been playing so well 12 match winning streak 12 matches in a row, 19 out of 20 since Don conference ended with that USC win, which makes it actually 20 out of 21. They have won. They're not used to losing. They haven't lost really much this year, since 2022, I mean, uh, since early the season, excuse me, and uh, it, it was just tough. I, again, it was stunning, and we were talking Friday about how volleyball fans are appreciative of the team. They don't really criticize when it's a tough time. I didn't see much of that. In fact, I didn't see any of that on social media on Friday. I don't expect much of it today on this show but it was just stunning I, I just felt like a i felt a little numb at the end of that match because i kept thinking again they were going to come back they've done it so many times they've done it in ncaa tournaments in at least the first round where they've had a tough match and been able were able to persevere and get over that hump so yeah just a really bad feeling all weekend for this team but still a great year overall i feel
0: mm-hmm. hawaii uh, wins the first game 25 to 21 then they go down 25 19 and i don't even think that one was that close 25-20, and 25-22. to The most frustrating one was the fourth game because we were saying to ourselves, um, you know, okay, here we go. Uh, here we go. It, going uh, And they just kept slamming the door on us. That was tough. I guess the toughest part to watch is, and I'll say it again, is just, it's just that LSU seemed to be so much more, I don't want to say active at the net, but so much more just dominating. Just, I mean, it was... It was uh it was like Hawaii almost like Hawaii came out flat and they didn't take him seriously I don't want to say that because that's kind of a knock I think on preparation and they probably prepare pretty well uh, knowing the you know knowing this program but at the same time that was uh that was tough to watch or listen to on the radio now uh it was supposed to be on ESPN plus many people blaming the radio station for. It. <laughs> for it not being on ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus had it blacked out in Hawaii, and so um, we haven't had this many calls since we decided to play the Rainbow Wahine basketball game instead of Game Four of the World Series with the Red Sox. Uh, not basketball, volleyball right. game with the Red Sox, and it was we got so I many calls that. of people, and we got emails. It's like, are you responsible for this? It's like, oh yeah, we told ESPN to black out the game <laughs> on ESPN Plus so that we could have it on the radio. You did? Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, feel bad many, for the fans
1: though, but. Many, yeah.
0: Well, I feel bad, but I mean, the ones that got mad and it's, or they're calling and they're on the phone with Tanner, going, "Give me an explanation! I want an explanation now!" <laughs> it's like, please, come on, go mow the lawn or something, will you? Come on, it's not—we're not to not, do anything. All right, uh, let's move on. Colton Wong is now a Seattle Mariner. How about that?
1: I was surprised at that. We know there are trades going on in baseball, so that part isn't shocking. But I thought he had a pretty good year. I didn't realize he had a career high in home runs with 15. I have a feeling he's going to win the Gold Glove again with everything he has shown this year. And we know at the plate, hitting about 251, 15 homers, not bad numbers. And a lot of those hits, homers, were key hits and an important player. I think part of it, Chris, though, is that he's going to be in his last year of his contract, and I believe Milwaukee felt they might not be able to resign him and maybe that's part of the reason they trade him to your seattle mariners i'm sure you're a little happy about that maybe closer to hawaii i know that always comes into play but seattle a good young team as we saw last year they got better uh the player uh winkler that they traded to milwaukee was on cincinnati last year and had a ton of home runs for the reds a year on a a winker winker for uh, the, the outfielder Uh, and he just had an off year this year. He hit it probably around 220, didn't have a lot of power. The other player I'm not too familiar with, but I think part of it was for uh, Milwaukee to maybe get rid of a player before they lose them to free agency in Seattle, trying to rebuild their team to what they started last year and continue that process.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh, Abraham uh, Abraham Toro and Jesse Winker are the guys that went to the Brewers, and this is a good move, I think, for a young team like the Mariners because Colton Wong is a veteran. I mean, gosh He's not a kid anymore. He's 32 years old. I mean, he's in the twilight of his baseball career, wouldn't you say?
1: I think he's in the peak, the prime. I mean, the prime. The prime is usually maybe 28 to 32, you would say. So okay. near the end of his peak. But getting up there, yes, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, but anyway, that's and that's the first thing I thought of is good for Colton Wong. You've had to spend your professional career in, well, he was in, I believe, in minor leagues. Wasn't he in San Francisco? That's not Memphis. Bad. He was in Memphis. Memphis. Oh, Okay. Walk-in in Memphis. But, I mean, you spent your career in the Midwest. I mean, you're like Milwaukee and St. Louis. Man. Now yeah. at least you're on the West Coast, and maybe your family can catch more games.
1: Yeah, and Seattle seems like a much more fun happening city than Milwaukee, from what I've heard. I've only been to Seattle a couple of times. I don't Milwaukee, know.
2: Like. You ever
0: go down to Arnold's on a Friday night? <laughs> That's
1: true. Bondi oh, is not walking through that door, but maybe he might be making a remake, they say, of Happy Days, by the way. Uh. I can't wait. Was Henry, who would be in it? Henry Winkler? How could you yeah. he replace Henry Winkler? No, he'd be in it. He was, you know, he's been out and about. He was on the chief sideline. He's the other eighty. Thing. What is he's gonna?
0: He's, he's gonna still acting. The and it's going I know he's still acting. But how does he play the Fonz? Unless it's Happy Days
1: today. It is. That's exactly it. I was gonna, oh, it was gonna okay. be Happy Days today. Exactly.
0: Yeah, all right, Uh, let's see. Um, Our headlines continue. University of Hawaii football players, a couple of them hit the transfer portal, understandably.
1: Yeah, Kyler Halverson going is not a shocker, I guess he...
0: That is a little shocking to me.
1: A little, but I mean, he wasn't the starting place kicker Matthew Shipley was as far as kicking field goes, and maybe he wanted to do that as well as kickoff, so I can understand Mm -hmm. that. But Dior Scott, that was a little bit more surprising uh, that he announced, and I saw that yesterday, because he's a guy, I don't think he's transferring because of lack of playing time. So I just wonder, maybe he thinks he's good enough to play on a a top 20 level, you know, a Power Fives conference team, uh, maybe, but... I was surprised at that one. Nate Adams, the old lineman, and Cam Cooper, you know, I think more those guys probably want – well, I know Cam Cooper wants more playing time, sure. He just wants playing time, period, not yeah. more playing time. Yeah. He, wants
0: to, he wants to get out on the field. And uh, good for them. I, I mean, I hope Cam Cooper goes to a, a level that he can play at and compete for a starting job. Um because if you could never mind i'm not going to say it i'm not going to go there <laughs> yeah i'm not going to say if you're not i know what you're, you're not star- yeah all right uh but your scott uh, did
1: that surprise to you because I, I was a little surprised more at that one that's going to happen you know there's going to be starters we see starting quarterbacks around the country transferring out so why not a receiver you know, i'm sure he's not the only one
0: yeah but who knows i mean Dior, maybe i mean he was a running back uh maybe he wants to be a running back maybe he just misses home you know yeah. whatever but yeah. you know th- you know thank you for your service and yeah. we wish them the best of luck uh you know in his uh, future endeavors i am bummed about halverson i like the local kids and he you know he he had a role as the kickoff specialist and i think he was a darn good one um but yeah i'm, I'm kind of bummed that that's the only one where i'm really like ah i was rooting for that guy
1: can I? I want to bring this up about him, Chris. And I don't know if it had anything to do with it. I hope it does it, and maybe it probably didn't. But remember the San Diego State game when he had that kickoff at the end that went out of bounds, giving San Diego State great field position. They ended up winning the game. There was a lot of criticism directed his way on social media, on the fans' voice. Was uh, it him?
0: Text. I thought it was the coaches. It was both. I remember them criticizing the coaches, saying, "Why are you telling him to kick it? You know, kick it towards the sideline, kick it in the middle."
1: It was both, and a lot of no, it initially was on that. how. Alverson. Uh, at least I remember doing the fans' voice after the game that day, and the majority of it was on him, a little bit on Sheffield, Coach Sheffield. I, I just wonder, you know, you hear Aaron Judge might leave the Yankees because the fans booed him in the playoffs. I, I just wonder if that comes into the, you know, thought process at all. I don't know, and I hope it doesn't. Yeah,
0: I don't know. If you're a Division One college athlete, you make a mistake, and then they criticize for you, you for it, so you decide to transfer out?
1: I wonder if that was a factor. Well, I don't well, know.
0: One mis- ah, I doubt it. I doubt it. I give the kid a lot more credit than that I, I made I, I made a mistake and the fans blame me after one game six weeks ago. I'm
1: out of here. I doubt it. I, I
0: wouldn't even entertain that thought and say that he's that kind of guy.
1: I entertained it a little bit again I'm just thinking that I wonder if that would be a factor not the overriding factor but or.
0: Reason. Hey. I hope not. And I I, I don't think too. so. I'm gonna say right now that I you know, that was not Chris Hart, that was Gary Dickman. <laughs>
1: okay. I would
0: not say it. that on anybody. All right, the college football playoffs are set. We'll get into that coming up with the Sports Animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM
3: oh, holy night. The
4: stars are brightly shining It is the night. Long may the world in to happy Holidays the
0: the Sports Animals with you this morning here soul. on ESPN Honolulu. And it's going to be a happy holiday, hopefully, for, well, at least four teams in the college football playoff. We'll get to that in a second, but we've got something the we got a we got somebody on the Aloha Kia hotline.
1: Yeah, we've got to talk some NFL, what a day it was, what a month it's going to be. And joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, covers the NFL for FootballOutsiders.com, also the NFL analyst for ESPN+. Aaron Schatz back on the show. Aaron, great to have you on again. I'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. Bad enough they lose Trey Lance early this season. Now Jimmy G out with a broken foot. Can they still win the NFC West and go far in the playoffs with Brock Purdy as their quarterback?
5: Well, we don't know yet because we don't know how good Purdy is. I think it's unlikely that they go far in the playoffs, but we still favor them to win their division because they are a game ahead of Seattle. And as far as remaining schedules go, their remaining schedule is pretty easy. So, you know, this is going to be the ultimate test of the Kyle Shanahan system and can he adapt his system for any quarterback? And we'll see. My guess is that they win their division, but that they lose in the playoffs.
1: Have you ever seen a defense on a stretch like this? Four games in a row without a point in the second half. Yesterday, Tua did get a touchdown uh, with them on the passing play, but really their defense has been incredible of late.
5: Yeah, it's been really good. I mean, not against the best competition until this week, but... Uh, I mean, there have been other defenses on similar stretches. Uh, The New England Patriots and San Francisco in the first half of 2019 were on a, like, ridiculous stretch of getting turnovers. So, I mean, there have been defenses on great stretches before. Right now, we have San Francisco uh, as the number two defense in the league behind Dallas.
1: Wow, and then Dallas actually obviously had a great game yesterday, especially with the turnovers in that fourth quarter. I do want to ask you about Miami, though, because there were people who thought maybe yesterday could be a Super Bowl preview with Miami and San Francisco. Dolphins didn't look that great, but again, against that defense, I can understand that Tua had the ankle deal. Your thoughts on Miami and how they looked yesterday and moving ahead?
5: I don't think the ankle was a problem until near the end of the game. Uh, What I would worry about is, so... So much of the Miami offense is built around plays in the intermediate middle of the field, and Fred Warner just completely took that away. So the problem for Miami is what happens when they face opponents who take that part of the field away. The good news for Miami is they aren't likely to face a lot of opponents who take that part of the field away. Kansas City doesn't do it. Cincinnati doesn't do it. I mean, Matt Milano is a good player, but Buffalo's not taking that part of the field of the field completely away. So, um, you know, Miami has a clear weakness, but I don't know if they have any opponents they're going to face in the playoffs that are going to be able to take advantage of that clear weakness. We're talking the NFL with Aaron Schatz. He is with
1: FootballOutsiders.com, also with ESPN Plus, and also the creator of DVOA. And I know last time we had you on, you uh, explained exactly what that means. It's kind of an analytic thing. Can you maybe expand and let our listeners know exactly what that is?
5: Yeah, basically it's our advanced metric that looks at every play during a season, how successful it is based on the down and distance, and then adjust it based on situation and opponent to see how good teams are, offense, defense, and special teams.
1: You talked about Dallas and their defense, and yesterday, again, a great job against Indianapolis. They've been playing better and better. Do you think they're a team that maybe could win the NFC? I know Philadelphia's ahead of them in the standings in the NFC East, but your thoughts on Dallas overall?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Right now, they are number one in our weighted BVOA metric, which gives more weight to recent games. They've been phenomenal, especially since Dak Prescott returned for their offense. Their defense, like I said, is number one in our rating. Their special teams is fifth. They have played an easy schedule, and we do adjust for that. So they're below Buffalo overall. But Dallas is a very strong, well-rounded team. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They play strong defense. They have a ferocious pass rush. I worry a little bit about Mike McCarthy as the head coach, whether he makes questionable decisions, but there's no no question. Dallas is a serious Super Bowl contender.
1: They already are as of right now, and now we hear that Odell Beckham Jr. is meeting and visiting in Dallas
5: today. Who do you think he ends up signing with? I mean, I think he's got a great choice because Dallas and Buffalo are our top two teams right now, and he would bring something to either team. There's no question about it, but... My guess is that Jerry Jones is more likely to back up the Briggs truck, and so I think he's going to Dallas.
1: Before the season started, there were many people praising and thinking that the AFC West was going to have three teams in the playoffs, maybe even all four could make it. I would think that's got to be the most disappointing division because the Chargers, Vegas, and Denver have all been less than what people predicted. They would end up being in Denver, even maybe the biggest exception with their offense or lack of. Are you at all surprised with how poor this, the division is besides of Kansas City, of course?
5: Oh, I mean, I'm very surprised. We had the whole division as average or better. I definitely thought Denver would have a strong offense. I didn't think their defense would be this good. I thought the Chargers were going to challenge the Chiefs to win the division, but the injuries have just just decimated the Chargers on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Based on DVOA, we actually have the Chargers, not the Broncos, as the weakest team in the division this year.
1: Well, that's pretty interesting right there in itself. Another injury yesterday to Lamar Jackson. They say it'll be days or weeks, not months, for him to be out. Right now, though, they're tied with Cincinnati, who won their third in a row over Kansas City. Can Baltimore maintain without Lamar Jackson to maybe win that division and still make the playoffs, at least at a wild card, if they don't?
5: I think, oh, I mean, make the playoffs, yeah. We have them making the playoffs right now in 91% of simulations. And we actually have them winning the division more often than Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a very difficult schedule going forward. Baltimore has a very average schedule. So obviously the sooner they get Lamar Jackson back, the better. But the season is by far not over for the Baltimore Ravens.
1: You can follow Aaron Schatz on Twitter at F-O underscore A-Schatz, S-C-H-A-T-Z, as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Who do you have as your MVP as of right now, or at least maybe
5: the top three candidates? Uh, I would give my top vote right now to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, The fact is Tua Tagovailoa has the best per play stats, but you have to acknowledge that Tagovailoa is helpful. Significantly by the scheme and by his teammates and by his coaching. And if, if anybody was asked who was the most valuable player in the league, nobody would say Tua, despite what the numbers say. They would say Mahomes. So I would say Mahomes would get my number one vote, Tua would get my number two vote, and probably Jalen Hurts would get three, either Hurts or Josh Allen.
1: Uh, we like two at number two. Not a bad way to go for him if he does make, uh, get up in that, end up in that spot. Okay, when you look at the rest of the schedules for these teams, analytically speaking, which team should we keep our eyes on? Maybe it's based on schedule or how they're playing as far as making the playoffs and maybe having a little deeper run than we think right now.
5: Well, here's the funny thing: is uh, our numbers? take <laughs> – the Minnesota Vikings. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. They are the lowest rated 10 and 2 team we've ever measured going all the way back to 1981. But they have the third easiest remaining schedule, which means they are going to get a high high seed, probably the 2 seed, maybe the 1 seed, and they're going to make more noise in the playoffs than you think they will even though they're really not that good
2: this year.
1: Well, if you say easy schedule, I thought maybe you meant they were going to play the Jets every week, and, uh, yeah, that didn't work out too, although it got a lot closer like most uh, Minnesota games do at the end. It's going to be a fun stretch run before the playoffs start in about a month. Aaron, great having you on the show. Enjoy the rest of the NFL season. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much. Aaron Schatz, he is uh, with FootballOutsiders.com, also with ESPN Plus as an NFL analyst and the creator of DVOA, if you want to check out a lot of analytics. Joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. We'll be back in a minute. We'll cover some more NFL and, of course, the college football rankings as well with the playoffs are set on ESPN
3: Honolulu i really can't say
4: baby it's cold
3: outside i gotta go away baby it's cold outside
4: this evening has been
3: Open that you dropped so nice.
4: in I'll
3: hold your hands They're just like mine My ice. mother
4: will start to worry. Beautiful,
2: what's your name My father hurry. will be
4: pacing the floor Listen to
2: that fireplace wall really
4: i better scurray Beautiful,
2: please don't Maybe
4: just a soda pop I'll put
2: some records on
3: while I pour The neighbors pour. might think Gary, can you, you explain bad bad. why?
0: We've had to wait for people to vote in the college football playoffs every until like Tuesday, and then now we know who's going to be in the college football playoffs. We found out yet a day.
1: yeah, but what do you mean? What, can I explain why we got to wait for the yeah, games wh- to be played this weekend?
0: What's that? Oh, we- I got it. I got you. That's why they announced it earlier and didn't make us wait. Why didn't they announce it earlier before?
1: They always have. It's always been on Sunday morning at around 7:30 a.m. our time.
0: No, 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 college football playoff rankings.
1: Yeah, it comes out the, Sunday, the day after championship Saturday. and it comes That's AP,
0: out, Gary. That's the AP ranking. The college, the college football, football playoff rankings They came come out yesterday out on like Monday nights. Oh, well, right, during the season. I know season. They, came out yet, they came out yet today. I understand that. But why did we get them earlier this week was my question than Be- in previous
1: weeks? Because it's the day after the season, and there's no reason to wait. You're setting the playoffs already. The season's uh, over already, even though it's oh, the week is over the week before. They just do it on that Sunday. I don't know if there's a set reason except to get everybody set for the playoffs once the season's over.
0: That took a long time to get to that. <laughs> it, it was
1: kind of a, All right, yeah. so
0: TCU loses. TCU and USC lose. And I think, okay, for sure, both of those guys are out because that's usually how it works. TCU stays in, I guess, because the loss wasn't. Look, it was the number t- 10 team in the country. They lost in overtime. Is that why they stayed there in, yeah. in the top four?
1: And it's their only loss where if you look at the team that might have leapfrogged them, Alabama has two losses and no real quality wins. Yeah, even Nick
0: Saban was, uh, I guess he was uh, politicking for a way in.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Foolishly. He's
0: like, he says, but he has a good point. He goes, okay, if we play, at least it's an argument. If we played any of those teams who are on the edge of getting in, would we be the underdogs or the favorite? That's, I
1: think the committee I think the committee is going to say, hey, we never thought of that. Maybe we should vote him in. I guess it doesn't hurt and coaches do it. I thought it was embarrassing oh. for Nick Saban to stoop this low. People were Ooh. mocking him all weekend because of this, because that's not, that's not the reason you're going to be in the top four, because you would be a favorite over that team. It's who earned it who's most deserving, not who would win between the two necessarily.
0: See, but isn't that what it's supposed to be? Who would win? These are supposed to be, okay, these are the top four teams in the country without question.
5: Yes,
1: I mean there might be question, but those are the top four. But it's not based on how they would do against five, six, seven, and eight. It's based on their resume, their body of work, not how they would do head-to-head with the number five or six team. I don't. I've never heard that as part of the criterion. It shouldn't be. Okay, I don't
0: know. I'm just. I'm just saying. I mean, you know. I mean, the, was Sonny Dykes criticized because he said we should still be in it? I have faith in the college football rankings.
1: Uh, not as much because they just barely lost, and it's their only loss. But again, I think the one loss they versus lost, two it was losses. Kansas State. Kansas and, and, State is a good Okay, team. so
0: I don't like when a coach comes out and says when a coach will come out and say um, we shouldn't be penalized for playing in the Big Twelve championship game. So that it doesn't. So what you're saying is, hey, we played in the Big Ten championship, but don't take that into consideration whether we win or lose. That didn't make sense to me. You know going into this, the Big 12 championship counts, just as the Pac-12 championship counted for USC. So, yes, if you lose those games, you should be held accountable.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, too, when you compare the two, definitely. And, again, I, I think the fact that for TCU it was their only loss, for USC it was their second and Alabama's already had to. But there's different ways of looking at it, of course. If you want to be a coach and spin it one way to your favor, people are going to do that like Nick Saban did and like Sonny Dykes did before he was announced to go in. What I do think is that the committee, even though they said this never was under consideration – I think the bigger surprise was that TCU stayed at three with the loss. Ohio State maybe was a better team and should have been there. I don't think the committee wanted Ohio State and Michigan in the semifinal to play each other in the first round. Now, they say that didn't come into play, but I don't believe that at all. How not at all. Not, how
0: could you not want – that doesn't make sense to me at all. How could you not want one of the biggest rivalries in sports to have a rematch?
1: I think they'd rather think have that, it in the championship, A <laughs> – Mm. if they both get there if they, they both get
0: there i mean here, this one you're guaranteed to have and you're you're saying they want eyeballs they want ratings and all of that well you put a semi because you're going to get a lot of ratings for the national championship in college football anyway no matter who's playing so why not have a semi-final that's probably not going well hopefully not going to be a blowout or even if it is a blowout, the hype leading up to it. I mean, for football fans, my gosh, what kind of gift is this from the heavens above to have Ohio State and
1: Michigan play twice in the same year? I, I think they want to, I think they like to avoid rematches when possible. If but possible. this isn't
0: any other rematch. It isn't this any is other rematch, but this it's still is, a rematch. This is, this, is, this is guaranteed college football gold to have them play in a game that matters this much i mean a game that matters if you win this game not only can ryan day maybe uh, get uh, get the, the critics his back but your reward is not just beating them your reward is beating them and going to the national championship in college football it doesn't get any better than that if there's a bunch of guys on the committee not seeing that and going well, we don't like rematches I don't think that's I, – I heavily doubt that that went on.
1: I, I believe it did. I mean, they, he, would, he, would, he would get rid of the criticism if he beats Georgia and goes to the championship game as well, if you're sure. aware. Of that. Sure, that is! And I know what you're saying. There are people probably believe that. I just I, There are people on both sides of that. I just think when TCU – when you look at TCU and Ohio State, both teams with one loss, TCU loses by three to number 10 Kansas State overtime. Ohio State lost to number three michigan and it was at home and it was decisive but it was a close game in the middle of the third quarter but they have a better loss losing the number three than to losing the number 10 that could be a reason as well why i would think ohio state should be higher ranked i think that michigan is a team
0: that does have a national audience uh national fan base so you want michigan to play in the um in the national championship game you've got the personalities you've got the storylines Michigan totally makes sense if that's what if they're trying to guide these teams into a championship. So, well they do know. that
1: with TCU then. I mean you have them playing TCU it's a little easier than Ohio State maybe. Right, that's what I'm saying,
0: but I would rather forget easy because what I'm saying is again, let me explain this again one more time. In a national championship, you're going to have everyone watching because it's the national championship no matter who's playing. In the semifinals, I bet a lot less people are going to care about Michigan and TCU than Michigan and Ohio State. You can have ratings gold two weeks in a row, or you can have meh and then a, a highly rated game. I'm just saying, if they're thinking about television, they're not saying this is best for television and best for the sport. To have a couple of blowouts before the national championship game. Well, we I think it's going to I be think, a blowout. We just know that in the past they've been yeah. blowouts.
1: I mean, Georgia and TCU has a ch- uh, has a chance, or but but what happened? a chance, a to chance be a for blowout. what? If, if if they played each other, so if they reversed it, it would have been Georgia or uh, TCU, and I don't think there would have been as much interest. Right. That would have been but even more of a, discri- a disparity.
0: That's one blowout instead of two. It's a lot
1: better. Chad, I don't think they look at it and say, which games can we match up to avoid blowouts? I don't think that's the way they look at it. I, but I what saying, you're
0: saying is they looked at this so that you would have these two teams play in the national championship. You just said, we, well, I, won't, I think they're doing this so that you can have Michigan and Ohio State in the national championship. No, that's, that's not what, what I said. That's what I'm retorting. No, that is exactly what you no, said. No, what I'm
1: saying is they don't want to, they don't want to have Michigan and Ohio State play each other in the semifinal. That's all I'm saying.
0: No, but you said maybe they're doing this so that they can play in the national
1: championship, and I said it doesn't matter. Again, I, I just think they w- I want to avoid a rematch, even though some people might think, but well, this team would be great, these teams. But is the SEC going to care more about Michigan-Ohio State than almost any other matchup that it could be?
0: Yeah, I think people all over the country would understand that this is one of the greatest rivalries in sports, it is. Michigan and Ohio State. That's, that's unarguable. So why not? If you can control, if you can control them playing each other, why not do it? Right now they have, they, they can't control it. So I, I'm just saying they should have actually controlled this and made it so Ohio State plays Michigan
1: in the semifinal. That would be that would be great. I like it the other way around, but I and I, I think it could go either way. And I, I don't think it was a, a direct. Thought process where we have to make it this matchup, but I think it was easy if they had to separate it one way or the other. Hey, this would be better, I think, in the long run, not to have that rematch. I mean, you can say you don't; it'd be a good rematch, and I it would be, but I think maybe they look at it. And what we've seen in the past is that some in basketball and football, it seems like when possible, they like to avoid them if possible.
0: Hank texted in. He's a very angry man this morning. Hi, Hank. Uh, to avoid another OSU-Michigan game, TCU had to be seated number three. So you lose and you still maintain your number three seating? WTH. What the heck? This whole process is a stinky
1: scenario. I don't think it's sticky. Um, and again, I mean, I don't think to me the more the bigger debate is who's in, who's out. As far as how they pair them it was something to really talk about and maybe debate about. But I don't think that's something to be upset about because I, this matchup versus another one, I think it's a bigger deal to talk about who didn't get in and who did get in.
0: I don't think so because you just said to the onset of this conversation. It's easy that TCU and Ohio State are in because Alabama shouldn't get in. They have two losses.
1: But it's a big debate. I mean, I think also USC is in the mix as well. I think you have that debate because they both lost is who gets in or not. I think that's a bigger topic to talk about, and I think they got it right. I I know some people will agree. Some people would. That's going to happen every year, no matter how you do it. It happens in basketball. It's going to happen in football. How did Cincinnati get in last year? Somebody else, whoever was left out, should have been in. Whoever's number five is going to be debated about or debated. Right. I
0: think if there's a a lot of one-loss teams on on the edge of getting in, then you have that debate. But you have LSU with three losses. You have USC with two losses. Alabama with two losses. And what do they say? No two-loss team has ever been blah, 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 blah. So I think there's not, I haven't heard much of a discussion on, um, much discussion on who didn't get in. I think they got it right, I'm guessing, on who got in, but I would not have TCU at number three. You have to move down a little bit. I mean, Ohio State, a, a month ago, was the number two team in the country. Why all of a sudden are they not worthy of moving up to number three?
1: Because they're not. In the cha- they're, they didn't play in their conference championship game like TCU did.
0: Well, that's because the number two team in the country played in the. Ch- I don't know. I mean, it's they had to face. They had to face Michigan. They lost to Michigan. That was their, so they're being penalized. I think they had a lot tougher schedule maybe than TCU. Maybe I don't know. We looked over this over the over the week, but I would have Ohio State number three. And I would have TCU number four. Yeah, Nobody else is close team. to getting in after this.
1: Well, I think close, maybe, but not deserving. I think nah. the top four are right. You know what? If, if if you're just looking at the teams and the resume, I would agree with you. I just think what the committee probably was thinking, in my opinion, was to avoid that mm-hmm. rematch. But I'm with you. Ohio State is a better team than TCU. I don't think. I don't think there's okay. much of an argument there. So,
0: so the, it would it wouldn't make sense to me if the committee is saying we don't want a rematch. We're talking. Isn't the committee there just to say who are the who's the best team in the country? who's the second best team in the country followed by the third and fourth best team in the country do you think they're going well what about television? If yeah. it is then if it is then it's a sham then it's it's fake it's fake it's it's basically you just make TV executives on the committee make it full of TV executives and let them vote. I want to discuss this more coming up here on espn honolulu don't forget it's the rivals fantasy football show wednesdays at 8 a.m brought to you by rivals sports bar and lounge in the waikiki malia by outrigger we'll see you this wednesday 8 a.m here on espn honolulu Hey, happy uh, International Day of the Ninja. That's what day today is. Try not to freak out if somebody dressed in all black is holding a sword and they drop from the ceiling because, hey, that's what day today is. It's okay today. Yeah, you know, don't freak out. They're they're going to come out. It's International Day of the Ninja. We salute the ninja. The Ninjas, by the way, they date back to the year... 600, they served as samurai warriors, they worked as spies, and they assassinated enemies. And you couldn't apply to be a ninja either. It was like a family business, right? It's like apply. you can't apply to be in the <laughs> Sopranos. You just, it can't you be, know, you're just yeah. born into it. Right. Now, uh, uh, folklore suggests that uh, skills were passed down from one generation to another. And then, uh, um, you know, nunchucks and things like that, that could be a company write-off. By the way, for hinges.
1: I like what you said. They only they assassinate their enemies as opposed to friends. Cause that would be a really bad thing if that would be the case. Yeah, that's more of like in Sopranos. <laughs> yes, that's true.
0: <laughs> By the way, I'm on season three. All I right. love it. I, yes. I don't remember most of what I watched the first time around. So this is, it's all brand new to me. Yep. It's uh, 652 with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu talking about the college football playoff system. And let's see where do I start here? Where do we go back? Uh, T- 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 TCS remain. They mean TCU. Yeah. TCU remained number three because USC lost again. Sorry about that. I would have loved to see USC still in it. I like when it's you got a little Pac-12 action, you got some Big 12 action, you got an SEC team, and you got the uh, and you got the Big Ten. That's a good full. Geographically, uh, geographic representation of college football. Now they TCU, and well, they're still in it,
1: but USC kind of messed that up. They sure did. Again, I remember talking on Friday about how bad their defense has been all year, even though their offense has been really good, and their defense did it again. That is a team. I, I don't know how they could be so bad defensively as USC is, especially when their offense is that good. Lincoln Riley did a great job there. Maybe go back to the Big 12 when they had really good defense, uh, offenses at Oklahoma, but their defenses weren't as good like everybody else in the Big 12. But they had their chance. I mean, they were leading, what, 17-7 in that game or 17-3, whatever it was. They had a lead early on in that game, and that just got destroyed in that second half. Uh,
0: let's see. Uh, oh, here's a good taxi I think it should be go number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, Ohio State, number four, TCU. And then somebody has a good point, though. They texted in and said, hard to move up a team two spots that didn't even play. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, Now John's calling in at 808-296-1420. Hi, John.
2: Hey, the other reason why you want Ohio State to be number four is because if you had them at number three, they'd be playing Michigan again, and we don't want that. So basically it's – if they're the, the worst team out of the four, they've got to play the hardest one. And then, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Michigan against, uh, like, TCU. Let me ask you a question, though, because uh, I kind of tend to root for Michigan. And uh, I'm just kind of wondering, because I saw the Bulldogs play this weekend, and it's, you know, hypothetically, I, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where uh, Michigan could beat somebody like that for the national championship. Ooh.
1: What do you guys think? Michigan has had some unbelievable games, and the starting running back goes out, but Donovan Edwards is unbelievable. That guy has been on a tear of late. Uh, I mean, but Georgia's had a couple of close games as well when they played Missouri, who is a bowl team this year. They really struggled and barely, barely won that game. That was about two months ago, of course. But I think if you look at them lately, yeah, Georgia is that dominant. But I think Michigan can give them a game i don't th- I mean I don't know what the point spread would be, but I think that would be a great competitive game that Georgia would be favored in, but i wouldn 't count Michigan out if they were to meet
2: It seems like when you're watching them, they don't do so good in the first half, but then they're uh, they stick with their running game and they tire you out in the second half, but that kind of strategy just doesn't uh, doesn't seem like it would work against somebody like Georgia because they might be down too much before <laughs> halftime. <done. laughs> I don't know if that's their strategy. Just, yeah. I mean,
1: against Hawaii, they had, what, 40 something points at halftime. But yeah, the last few weeks with the second half, that running game against Ohio State, the 85 and 75 yard mm-hmm. touchdown run the, by Edwards, the, and this past week yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, thank
0: you for the call. Thank, Have a great week. I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, was up 47 to nothing in the preseason against, in the non conference season against Hawaii this year. The, uh, okay. 808-296-1420 here da 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 oh Hank's it's, it's Hank still mad come on Hank <laughs> but but I I he says TCU brings 8000 fans USC OSU and Tennessee etc 20 to 25000 fans you talk money come on man TCU who are they kidding it stinks and he says exact I said it's fake if you're, if you're just doing this to make matchups, then it's fake. And he says it is fake. It's only money. So if so, they still got it wrong. TCU brings nothing. Why? Because their worth was just because they were undefeated. But now they aren't. No one cares about TCU anymore.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't go there that far, and I think they'll bring a lot more than 8,000 fans to their playoff game. Yeah, that's not. They're in a big market. They're in Dallas, remember, so I don't think they'll bring that few. I think there'll be a lot
0: more. Oh, here's a text from the 313 TCU versus Georgia is the national championship. You heard it here first from the Parlay Prince. And he says, Hank is drunk. Oh, you guys don't start getting on each other now. (laughs) Come on. Let's all just get along. It's only sports talk. Our top headlines are coming up next with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 a.m.
1: Beginning to look a a a lot lot like Christmas. Christmas. Hey! Hey.
0: Everywhere you go,
1: take a look
0: at
5: five and ten. Man,
0: for some reason, traffic was nuts everywhere this weekend, no matter where you went. You know why? Because it's beginning (laughs) to look a lot like Christmas. Good morning, just after seven o'clock with the animals on ESPN Home Little. Uh, top stories we're following from the weekend, and it all started on Friday uh, with bad news. Boy, the Rainbow Wahine get upset in the NCAA tournament. Wahine volleyball season is done, but we're about a month away from the uh, Warrior volleyball season. But that was a, that was tough. That was tough to take in losing to uh, losing to LSU. I mean, I thought it was a pretty dominating performance by the Lady Tigers.
1: Yeah, on one hand, it was still great to go to the NCAA tournament once again, win the Big West once again, but you were hoping to go at least further than the first day of the tournament, at least through the first weekend if possible. I know Saturday would have been really tough, but and I know people like me, well, I know fans like myself overlooked LSU just thinking, looking at their numbers. Hawaii's been playing so much better, but it did hurt. It did hurt whenever a season ends and when it. And when you, not when you expect it, a little prematurely, to say the least, but still shouldn't take away from what a great season they had overall.
0: Yes. And uh, Colton Wong, congratulations. The 32-year-old former Rainbow Warrior baseball player is now a Seattle Mariner.
1: You look at Colton Wong now in his third Major League team. With St. Louis, I mean, we thought it was a perfect fit getting drafted in the first round. They loved their baseball there. He was a great fit there, played in the World Series with them. I'm a little, I'm not really surprised, but it's interesting how he's has on his third major league team. Shane Victorino bounced around uh, really well. He's with the Dodgers organization, but he goes to the Phillies and the Red Sox and a few teams after. But I would have thought St. Louis and Milwaukee would have wanted to keep a guy like Colton Wan. He's not a guy that's going to command 25, 30 million. He's going to be real steady, real consistent, excellent on defense no matter what kind of year he's having at the plate. And even though he's not going to hit 300, he's going to give you some good at bats and some clutch hits. So I'm a little surprised that teams have let him him go the way they have well
0: and if they're not and it's not like they're looking for
1: home run hitters from a second baseman should they right
0: no 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 I you're mean, right That's
1: yeah why would you let a guy like that go he just seemed like i mean i would love to have him on the Mets. i think a lot of teams would love to have a colton yeah. wong
0: i don't know the situation with the with the milwaukee brewers maybe they have somebody young and upcoming but i like this move for the mariners because you bring a 32 year old veteran uh who's used to winning to an up-and-coming franchise. I really like that. It's a great move for
1: Seattle. Again, look what they accomplished last year, winning 90 games, going to the playoffs, and now you take it to the next step with a guy like Colton Wong. Wow.
0: And isn't he from Hilo? Yes. What happens in Hilo and in Seattle?
1: Rain, rain. Lots of rain. Yeah. A lot of ua
0: coming down. Lots of the ua. So he's going to be back at home. Okay, let's see what else is going on. A couple of UH football players have hit the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, I think four in all. Now, the games you might not be as familiar with. Nate Adams, O-Line, Cam Cooper, who played, I think, in the Western Kentucky game, and that was it this year. Backup third-string quarterback are gone. But Dior Scott, who started a number of games as wide receiver, is gone. And also we have Kyler Halverson, the place kicker has announced his intention to join the transfer portal. Well, we you know, wish... he a kickoff specialist. He kickoff wanted, specialist, he wanted... okay. But not kicking field goals, and I know there are people who thought that maybe he should be kicking field goals. Even though Shipley was really good, maybe he does want to do more than just be the uh, the, the kickoff specialist. Shipley was what? what he, he missed a few this year. I mean, a, only a few. a few.
0: But what was he, like 17 of 20, 16 of 19, something like Somewhere that? Somewhere in know. there. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I like Halverson. I like having the local kid out there. He got to play, you know, a lot. Maybe he, if you're going to be a kickoff specialist, you want to play for a team that scores a lot, so you can kick off more. Maybe that's the reason he's leaving. I'm just making a funny. Stop it. Stop giving me a look. <laughs> I'm not giving you a look. Yet. Another yet. bad day. Another bad day at the office. Actually, I was going to say a bad day at the office for, uh, bad day at the office for Marcus Mariota. Actually, uh, you know who had a bad day at the office today? Baker Mayfield, he got waived by the
1: Panthers. That's sad. It's sad. Well, I guess Sam Darnold is going to walk through that door. I don't know what he did to earn that job. Uh, P.J. Walker is there, and maybe they just figured if he's not going to start, why keep this guy? But, yeah, Yeah. it's kind of surprising to do it at this point. One in five as a starter says it all. Yeah, but who, who's done better for Carolina? Who would do better? And I understand he hasn't done well, but you're, you're waving him in December. You don't really see borderline starting quarterbacks waived in the month of December in the NFL almost ever.
0: But good for him. Um, Tanner is uh, reporting, Tanner Hayworth is reporting that the word is that he asked to be released, and they granted it to him. Oh. So you wanna, you'd rather be released now, now that maybe the, maybe the 49ers are going to pick him up, you know, to be a backup quarterback. Uh, because I don't think you can go. You can just start right away in, um, in
1: uh, DeKine's uh, offense for the 49ers, right? Yeah, but if you go to the 49ers, you're probably there short term, which means another month, because next year Trey Lance would be healthy. Jimmy uh, G is probably gone. But I, I don't know what he's looking at, but that's interesting that he actually asked for the release. Well, allegedly. I mean, okay. that's yep. kind of the, the, the word. But yeah. better to be waived now. Than at the end of the season,
0: so hopefully uh, he lands somewhere. But boy, that's that's kind of a kind of a. I'd have to say quarterback bust, number one pick overall.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Poor guy, and he does such good commercials too. <laughs> that's I guess a, that's, that's a why I'm hoping. He, I guess that's why I'm hoping he <laughs> lands with somebody so that he'll still be you know on commercials because he's yeah. so good at it. If
1: nothing uh, else. Let's
0: see. Bad day at the office though for uh, Marcus Mariota. Losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers—that was one of those games where, well, somebody had to win, right? I mean, a 19 to 16, uh, another interception cost him the game at the end of the at, at the end of it all again. You know, like you know, a last a desperate drive to come from behind. Mariota throws another interception, and it's it's, it's got to be frustrating for Falcon fans because it's like we just saw this movie last week.
1: Seemed like he throws one in the fourth quarter fairly often. And yeah. I don't know if it was all his fault they lost. The offense didn't do much. They had the one touchdown offensively and all those field goals Pittsburgh didn't do much better but that was a game I thought they would win being at home against a team that's not that strong in your Steelers and maybe maintain a shot at the playoffs if Tampa wins tonight against New Orleans in Monday Night Football then they're a game and a half in back of the Saints that's going to be tough to over I mean instead of uh, back of Tampa Bay excuse me uh, I think that's going to be tough to overcome just because their team is just not strong enough to make up a deficit like that with only four or five weeks left in the season and you know, they had a chance at the playoffs, and they still do. Even if Tampa wins tonight, a game and a half is not impossible, uh, but hopefully they can make up for that. I thought yesterday was an e- not an easy, but a good opportunity to actually get a win and be back in that playoff hunt the way they were. I, I thought yet today as well. Junior is calling in at 808-296-1420.
0: Hi, Junior. Did you see any games yet today?
6: We might as well play the Steelers because the Niners are going to be out of it by playoff time oh come on yeah oh, come, on, Chris. come on come Chris, on can for, look can let me take it three third round draft choices okay okay oh, the- look at it this way
0: look oh. at it this way okay yes. so this is and this yes. is just stolen from maurice jones drew uh on the nfl network but it makes total sense To when you go to the playoffs and the 49ers will probably go to the playoffs when you go to the playoffs you need two things to keep winning on the road defense and a running game and the 49ers have that i thought brock purdy looked fine for a guy that probably got hardly any reps all season long you know for him to come in and do what he did they're going to adjust the game they're going to have those shorter throws to debo samuel and uh christian McCaffrey. i think that uh, shanahan knows what he's doing i think that you know what i think the 49ers are going to be just fine I'm gonna
6: go with you and maybe pick Baker Mayfield just to get Baker Mayfield on the game. But wouldn't this be wild, Chris? We trade for Russell Wilson. Well, you Comes can over from the AFC, AFC to the NFC and He went to Super Bowl for the Forty ers <laughs> The trade deadline took place
1: about three weeks ago, so you can't do oh, any trade
6: this Oh, details, year. De- Gary,
0: details! Gary, Come on, you're Dickman. A
6: coal in the stocking.
0: Yeah, Gary's, Gary's got no holiday
6: spirit. Gary, just because the Jets have benched that guy from BYU, you know, you're kind of down and out. But I'm happy. What do you mean I'm down and out? You're I'm out happy. That's the smartest <laughs> thing
1: they've done with him since they drafted him is benching him.
6: Well, they should have had Steve Young tutor the guy. That's all I'm saying. That's all you're saying? You guys. All right. Hey,
0: Junior, thank you for calling in. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, so Marcus Mariota goes 13 of 24, 167 yards, one touchdown, and of course, another interception that we talked about. Kenny Pickett, not great, 16 of 28 through a touchdown, uh, no interceptions. Najee Harris is looking good the last couple of weeks. Here's a guy that we thought was injured. But yesterday, he only uh, showed up with uh, 17 carries for 86 yards. So that's an average of over five yards a carry right there. So that's great news. One reception for six yards. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, very, 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 very good. I love that guy. Yeah. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, they're technically in the running for the playoffs. (laughs) This is if you're a Steelers fan. This is what you don't want because you're not going to go to the playoffs. Although Lamar Jackson is hurt now, but you're not going to go to the playoffs. Um, and even if somehow you squeeze into the playoffs, you're not going to win a playoff game. So the last thing you want is to be eight and nine or nine and eight. <laughs> I mean, really, what you're looking at is you know, uh, Kenny Pickett to keep developing. And I think he's—I think he'll be okay. I mean, is he a Ben Roethlisberger? No. But I think he's closer to a Ben Roethlisberger than a Mark Malone.
1: Or a Mason Rudolph. Uh, you know, I, I agree. He's better than some of the backups they've had. Yeah, as a fan, you don't want them to win. You want them to lose. Because when you lose, yeah. you actually win. Even though the team won't look at it that way. But, yeah, you almost don't want them to make the playoffs or get eight wins and be close to it. You know, do what the Jets do. Just stink most of December and November and you usually get a better traffic out of it. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen a lot. It's a good way to handle things when you're that bad. But they're not that yeah. bad. I'm actually surprised in a way that they're you know that close to 500. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. You want to keep losing and get that better traffic. It could be a big difference maker.
0: Yeah, and they need some they need some offensive line help. They really do. Uh, hey, the Jets-Vikings game was good, but I want to get to, before Lisa Horn is going to join us, uh, she's a college football reporter. You can uh, see her work at Big Screen pigskingrind.com. Lisa's going to join us in a few minutes and talk about the college football playoff situation. Um, But the Dolphins yesterday, I was at uh, uh, Wet n' Wild yesterday. Uh, We do a promotion from time to time where we go down there and host people uh, watching uh, NFL football on a huge screen. And they uh, had the uh, Miami Dolphins-San Francisco 49ers game. My son was at this game. My oldest son, uh, oh, wow. by the way, it was kind of cool. Uh, he's a 49ers fan, so good for him because, you know, it, it it's a game was thirty three to seventeen, and it was just that the uh, Miami Tua, you know what? They just it it was closer. I mean, Tua had a chance to come from behind. It was twenty three to seventeen
1: with a few minutes left. And I can't remember what happened. Did Tua throw a pick? He threw a fumble. It's a fumble. He went back to throw, oh. and Bosa picked it up and just ran it back, what, 23 yards? I guess technically it's a fumble return for a touchdown. Yeah, and so it
0: made it look like, you know, he had a chance to come back, and I thought that would be amazing because to me, in my eyes, it looked like the 49ers were dominating that game. And, <laughs> but and Bosa was in the backfield the whole time, poor Tua. But it looked like they were dominating that game, and the Dolphins still had a chance to come from behind and score with just a couple of minutes left. We were already talking at that point, um, you know, with some of the fans who were at the water park. It's like, okay, do we go for one or we go for two? What would you do? Go to overtime, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the fumble happened. It was like, oh, man.
1: I mean, it had a good start to the game. 75-yard touchdown pass, 10 seconds into the game. I mean, before you even well, looked f- up right at
0: it was the first play of the game. Yeah, right. I mean, so Play it's a, number one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, here we go. Miami's really going to do well today against this great defense. And then Jimmy <laughs> G goes down. You think, okay, Miami's chances are even higher now. And they were. But, again, that defense. Wait,
0: Miami's – oh, Miami's chances. Yeah. You know what? Because they came out and they, they said, okay, Purdy, let's do a bunch of short passes and get a lot of yak. Let's run the ball.
1: But i was surprised that Miami couldn't run the ball at all. Their rushing yards were 33, 33 rushing yards. Where I thought Jeff. I don't know if Jeff Wilson got hurt. He only had one carry, uh, and I, and he he was on San Francisco until about a month ago. R- uh, Mostert Mostert was on the team last year. Mostert he do had anything. a nice run. Well, he only had 30 yards rushing on seven carries. They just didn't have the right. running game that they've been improving on this year, especially since Jeff Wilson got there.
0: Yeah, but you're talking about the best defense in the league.
1: Yeah, uh, that's yeah, what not... they're facing. Yeah,
0: the yeah. best defense in the league, and Tua was just they, just under, you know what? And you also look at um, some weird things about the uh, attire, um Let's see.
1: Time of possession. Jalen
0: yeah. Waddle had just as many receptions as something called Trent Sherfield. <laughs> well, Mike Gesicki almost had one. You know that was a. That was, a, that was a heartbreaker. Gasicki out of bounds to uh, uh, extend on fourth down or third down, whatever it was. That one, he got out of bounds and he made like he caught it. From my vantage point, I was like, oh, that's a catch. They can't And then I saw it on a um, uh, more high-def screen later. I went, wow, that wasn't even close to a catch. But they called it a catch, and then they reviewed it.
1: Yeah, I mean Miami is a really good team despite that loss yesterday. I mean, again, I don't know if they're going to make the Super Bowl. And people looking at it, maybe a Super Bowl preview. And Tua nah. didn't have his best game. He doubled his interceptions for the year, I believe, from two to four in that game right. yesterday. Um, well, he threw
0: his first interception, interception, interception since uh, September or something. I his first interception like 193 passes. Right. I wonder what the the talk is. Um, and we can get into this um, more coming up, but I wonder what the national talk is. Are guys like Keyshawn Johnson and those kind of guys going, see, told you, Tua's not the guy. Look, Miami's got a great offense. They're not there
1: defensively yet. That's really kind of what we saw, I think, yesterday. I did hear Keyshawn earlier today or late last night. Actually, he was still praising Tua. Just talking about the Niners' defense being that good. Yep. All right, and it seems they're just peaking. Hopefully the Niners aren't peaking too
0: early, but this is a team now... That is eight and 8-4. A month ago, they were 4-4. Four and four. So this is one of the hotter teams. Yes. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it going with a uh, backup quarterback. How come nobody's asked her Colin, Colin Kaepernick to be signed yet? I haven't heard the Colin Kaepernick talk. Give it time. time. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Give it time. Uh, coming up, more on college football from Lisa Horn. She's a college football reporter. You see her on TV, hear her on the radio, and read her at pigskingrind.com. That's coming up next year on ESPN Honolulu. And speaking of uh, football, Dixie Grill is your place to catch Monday night football, Dixie Grill in IAEA. Who's playing tonight, Tampa Bay and New Orleans? Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Catch the action at Dixie Grill in IAEA. They've got, um, you know, they actually turn up the volume, which is kind of cool. A lot of places you go, they don't do that. They've got... uh, Popcorn and 32 ounce Bud Lights are just $6 at Dixie Grill and IA for Monday Night Football. And then after the game at 7 o'clock, it's a trivia night with Geeks Who Drink. So Monday nights are fun nights at Dixie Grill and IA where there's always something smoking.
1: We had a pretty interesting, I guess debate would be the right way to phrase it, earlier about the top four teams in the college football playoffs, where they are ranked, who's in, who's out. We're going to continue that now. Here on ESPN Honolulu, joining us via the Aloha Kia Hotline. She's a college football reporter, TV and radio personality, and also a writer at pigskingrind.com. Back with us, Lisa Horn. Lisa, great to have you on as usual. And we'll start with the top four. What was your opinion on the top four teams announced for the playoffs yesterday?
3: You know what, for the first time in, I can't even remember how long, I was actually really excited. They not only got the top four straight, but they got it in the right order, in my opinion, of course. I was really happy.
1: And I thought they got the top four right, but we were going back and forth, and a lot of our listeners on the order of three and four specifically. Why do you think TCU should be three and Ohio State four?
3: Um, well, because Ohio State didn't, didn't even play in the, the conference championship. It was Michigan versus Purdue, and I don't think TCU – should honestly get penalized for playing that 13th game. So I I think TCU should move up. I think they were in it before the conference championship with the one loss. And, I mean, it's, you know, not everyone's going to be happy. I get a lot of people in the, you know, middle of the country are like, why not Ohio State? But Ohio State didn't play that extra game. TCU did. And let's also remember, TCU beat Kansas State during the regular season. It's so difficult to beat a same team twice. Utah, of course, did, but (laughs) it's hard. It's really hard to do it.
1: Right. I I wondered aloud about this. I don't think this was the overriding factor, but I wonder if it came into play, even though the committee would never admit it, that they didn't want to have a rematch of Ohio State and Michigan in the semis, and that made it easier to put Ohio State at four. Do you think there's anything at all to that?
3: You know, I was thinking the same thing, to be honest. And they say they don't, right? But deep in the back of the recesses of my brain, if I was on there, I don't think I'd want to see another rematch. And, again, a lot of teams, like Alabama and LSU, I think was what time, like Game of the Century, right, where they they replayed. right? Um, Michigan and Ohio State... Ohio State didn't show up against Michigan. They did for a while, but in the <laughs> end, they caved, right? And so right. I think they got a little punished for that. And I think I think you may be right. I hope you're not, because in the end, it really is should be about the four best teams, and the order should just be on who earned what spot. I don't believe any team deserves anything. I don't think people in general deserve anything. You earn, you earn it. And I think Ohio State did earn that fourth spot and we're just lucky that probably probably we won't see a rematch but you never know
1: it's funny what you said because I actually hoped I was wrong too. Again, I, I don't know. they are not going to know for a fact because will never admit it, but I do think there's a possibility that it was a, a, some yeah. kind of factor, but I hope that wouldn't be yeah. a reason why. So, okay, now we have the top four teams, and I don't think too many people are disagreeing in the four, but I'll ask you about Alabama and Nick Saban and his uh, lobbying and politicking, p- politicking to get his team in. I thought it was kind of funny some of the things he was saying on Saturday night. I know coaches will do that, but I think a lot of people are having a lot of fun at Nick's expense also on saturday night
3: um how do i say this nicely without offending alabama fans
4: well go ahead I'm offend them. Gonna, we do it all the time you know what
3: i <laughs> you and i are friends i think what he said was was terribly inaccurate um number one number two i think if you're going to give a mouthpiece for to a coach that has a possibility of being considered in the top four you need to give it to every coach that has a possibility of getting into the top four. And I think it's a little disingenuous that only one coach really got to voice his opinion about how he thinks his team should be placed on a major network. So with that saying, I'm really – I think a lot of people have Alabama fatigue. And I think part of the the reason why is because Alabama's always stood on we're in the strongest conference. Well, the West this year was very weak. It has been weak. The East is a little bit stronger. You've got Georgia and Tennessee in there and probably a rising South Carolina. But the West in general, I think, is weak. And I don't think you should be rewarded because you only lost to Tennessee by three points and you only lost to LSU by one point.
1: Yeah, their biggest win, I think, might have been Mississippi State, or they didn't really mm-hmm. have a marquee win like they normally would have. So I'm no. with you on that. We're talking college yeah. football. Our guest is Lisa Horn from pigskingrind.com, also a college football reporter, TV radio personality, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. A great follow on Twitter is at Lisa Horn. So when you look at the matchups now, do you think there's a chance for an upset, or are we headed to Michigan and Georgia in the championship game?
3: Um, <laughs> I think TCU has a lot to prove still. Um, they, their defense is pretty nasty, and you know I, they did lose to Kansas State in the end, but it, you know it, it was a close game. My my uh, actually biggest upset I'm gonna just call it right now is Kansas State over Alabama, even though I think Alabama has much better players. Uh, the reason why is because I think we're gonna see a repeat of quote, the disappointing Crimson Tide team that felt they should have been in the national championship and got, you know, got left out. And this happened against Utah. So, you know, I hope we don't have to revisit that. If a team doesn't get into the playoff, then there's no point in them even playing a really good bowl, by the way. The Sugar Bowl is an awesome bowl. Okay? But I have a feeling the team is going to be down because they're not in the CFP, and Kansas State is going to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Speaking of a team that was down, that was Colorado this past year, 1-11 in the Pac-12, but now they've got a new coach in Deion Sanders. What were your thoughts about hearing about the new hire?
3: I I think there's some pros, a lot of pros, and I think there's a couple of cons. First of all, I think if you want to make a splash in college football, I think no one's going to beat Colorado. They made (laughs) a huge splash. I mean, Coach Prime can recruit. We already know that he can recruit. He's landed the top wide receiver in the class of 2025, Winston Watkins, who chose Colorado over, I mean, some big schools like Alabama and Ohio State. Right. But keep in mind, that's two years from now on where he's going. But, you know, Coach Prime, is, he's a role model for young African-American men. And this is the first time in a long time that there's really a lot of excitement over Colorado football. He's generating eyeballs on Colorado football. But with that said... Sanders, he doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience in FBS football. In fact, he doesn't have any experience in FBS. He has, what, three years in the FCS? And I think if the Buffs don't go bowling in the first two years, recruiting is going to drop off, and then we're going we're to see him under a huge magnifying glass. So everything he does will be scrutinized. I, I think there's only like 20, maybe less, head coaches in the Power Five who have had no prior head coach experience. That's not great odds for him, and Colorado's kind of a tough school to recruit to. It's a beautiful area, but they've been at the bottom of the Pac-12 for quite some time.
1: It's gonna be a fun story to watch, that's for sure. We're talking it is. about Lisa and it Horn. Is fun. yeah, it'll be fun. With Pigskin, we'll have fun press conferences, if nothing else, that's for sure. Oh, I can't wait for
3: Pac-12 Media Days. Right, right.
1: <laughs> Yesterday was kind of interesting as well. Uh, Lisa Horn from Pigskin Grind. Dot com joining us here on espn honolulu via the aloha kia hotline the heisman award will be announced this saturday and this is the first time in a while we don't have a clear-cut favorite or two i feel who do you have as maybe the top three or four and i guess the finalists will be announced later today
3: I, I think that the top i'll give you top five uh i think obviously caleb williams and max duggan are the two front runners i think cj stroud's in there Blake Quarm and Hendon Hooker, you know, they've had they're injured, so uh, there may be some people that decide they want to give them a well. And 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 I think another guy, a couple of other running backs. I, I think we're too quarterbacks focused. Uh, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, Bijan Robinson from Texas, and I love Zach Charbonnet at UCLA. This guy's mm. getting no press whatsoever, but I can tell you, I did vote, and I, I'm not allowed to say who I voted for. Oh come on. But I will- I can't, or I'll lose my vote, honestly. Okay. They make us they make sign the statements, but I will tell you this. All three of the guys that I voted for are west of the Mississippi River. Ah, okay,
1: we can kind of narrow it down. Maybe we'll find out after the fact, but that should be fun because, again, no clear-cut favorite. and uh, I think it's pretty be, be
3: close between one and two. I think three, the three spot is going to be the issue for a lot of people. It was for me. I, I didn't have any real clarity until late Saturday night.
1: Okay, well, we'll find out the results, a little bit of that today, and, of course, Saturday they will have the final announcement. Lisa, always great talking college football with you. It should be a fun playoff, a fun week of college football with the Heisman hype, and, of course, bowl season right around the corner. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure.
3: Okay, take care.
1: All right, thank you so much. Lisa Horn, again, from pigskingrind.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya. And Akia as a Heisman voter, and now I wonder who those three are. But as she said, west of the Mississippi, so that's interesting.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of where the Mississippi Caleb William, would be K- right, but uh, who would be right of the Mississippi?
1: C.J. Uh, Stroud would be, and Bryce Young would be. Really? Yes.
0: She just said C.J. Stroud was it in the in the running.
1: Well, in the running, but not in but the top three. In her top. She voted in her top three. She said are all west of the Mississippi. So Caleb Williams is one of them.
0: Man. Is Caleb Williams draft eligible? I believe. Boy, because that. Oh, okay. That's why I'm not. that. Okay, thank you, Tanner. He's not draft eligible, and that's why I'm not hearing uh, his name coming up. But, boy, that that's a tough guy. I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he'll be a really good NFL quarterback. Uh, coming up, uh, let's, let's get more into the uh, Dion Sanders as the head coach for the Colorado Buffaloes. We'll get into that and more with Tua tonga as well on ESPN Honolulu. I love, uh, you know, this is a fun story. You mentioned that you were talking to Lisa Horn about, about uh, Deion Sanders, now a Division I college football coach. And boy, what a fast rise that was. And um, he's asking questions. I love what he said. He said, My challenge is to, still to provoke change, no matter where I am. I'm 55, and I don't plan on changing anytime soon. God made me like this. And I think God is pleased with what he created. The words of Dion Sanders. Man, so he already goes out and signs the best wide receiver in the country, right? Number yes. one, five-star guy. Immediately goes to uh, Colorado. This is going to be so fun. What a job. When Dion Sanders went to Jackson State, what was the general consensus? Oh, he's Dion Sanders. He's, you know... He's he's not going to be a coach. Maybe he's going to attract some attention, and he might be an okay college football coach. But what experience does he have? He he cut the line. (laughs) He, he, He needs to be a coordinator. That's an argument that you might hear on this radio show a lot. Yeah. Yet here's a guy like Steve Kerr and others who stepped in and became a success right away. It doesn't happen for all of them. And that's why you can't say somebody like Trent Dilfer shouldn't be a head coach. Should Dion Sanders be a head coach? Yes or no? Real quick, just yes or no. As of right now, yes. From yeah. At the time, that he was fair 20, to wonder se- about. Twenty, it. twenty-seven and five at Jackson State. Twenty-seven and five, and um, I, what were they last year? What, what, is, what is he? Twenty-two and. One or something like that. Last couple of years, I mean, whatever they, it was. Yeah, I think
1: they were undefeated regular season. Both oh my years gosh, years. is yeah, unbelievable.
0: But why should he be a head coach? He's not qualified. Well, now he's going to bring that to Colorado. And the only bummer about this is the Pac-12 is getting better year by year. When you have Utah and USC and national in college football playoff talk, Oregon has always been very very well. And now Dion Sanders, he's coming to Colorado, but the Pac-12 is not the Pac-12 that it was a couple of years
1: ago. And Colorado has been four. a bottom feeder. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know if people are thinking he's going to have immediate success or almost automatic success. I don't, think, I don't think anybody knows. I don't know. But I don't think just because of what he did at the J.C. level will translate to a team that even though he's probably going to draw recruits like he did. Well, with Jackson State
0: wasn't a junior
1: college. I mean, FCS, FCS, excuse me. and the FCS level, it's a lot different than FBS. And I I just don't, I think it's going to be more of a struggle when you're the the worst team, arguably, or not arguably, in that conference, and you expect him to turn it around, you know, in a few years. Like I think somebody said, if, if he makes a bowl game the first year or two, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, but are people thinking because he had such success in the FCS level that he's going to have the same success on the FBS level? I wouldn't think that way necessarily at all.
0: I think that if he continues to recruit the way he does, or you guys like Penny Hardaway, the way that Penny Hardaway recruits the way he does, I mean Penny Hardaway turned around Memphis right away.
1: Not really. They didn't. They've done nothing in the tournament at all. They he recruited a lot of really good players in a few years right. there, but they've done nothing yeah. in postseason.
0: Okay, he's a guy that has been proven to a lot of these guys who are who are um, former college. Or former notable players is what ESPN calls them. You have Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, Penny Hardaway at Memphis, Juwan Howard at Michigan. Actually, Juwan Howard's not doing very well, is he, at Michigan?
1: Not that much this year, no.
0: Was it? No, I'm talking about like last couple of years. Last year they
1: struggled. Two years ago they were really good. They got upset in the tournament early.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I think that if you can, you know, college sports is all about recruiting. Yeah. It really is. And if you continue to recruit this way, you are going to turn this program around and, I think, turn it around very, very quickly.
1: You're recruiting against USC. Well, USC won't be there, so maybe that will be a little easier. It uh, will be a different Pac-12 in a couple of years. So you're still going to have the, the right. again in the Utah. I, I don't know. I think it remains to be seen. I, I, I don't know how people can almost guarantee that he's going to have that. Again, it's a big if. Nobody's guaranteeing anything. This whole
0: conversation, this is going to be fun to watch because he is going to get the recruits, and he started already. I mean, how many guys – there's probably a couple of guys at Jackson State that are going to go, you know, follow him over to Colorado, like his son.
1: Yeah, but does that mean that, – I mean, if they're FCS players, I mean, now, Travis Hunter, the defensive back, could have gone to an FBS but, school after, like, Florida State. Yes,
0: exactly. But, That's what I'm saying. And his son was not an FCS player. His son was a big-time recruit.
1: Was he? I don't remember. I don't remember that he was. Yes, he was. Okay. okay, He was. Don't get mad. But I mean, I just he was don't know highly if he, regarded. But some of these FCS players that are really good on the FCS level, just because they follow him the Colorado doesn't mean they're going to be really good players on the FBS level.
0: What I'm getting at, I mean, there's a few players. What I'm getting at, Gary, this is, you can't argue this. You're the one who taught me this. If you can recruit in college, the, the most important thing in college athletics is recruiting. That's number one. So if you've got the best recruiter, all of a sudden Colorado should make some noise and make some
1: noise pretty quickly, right? Well, it depends how many recruits you get. No. I, I don't know. I taught you that, but oh. I'm I don't. But again, he's, he's going to be recruiting <laughs> against a lot of other big schools. That I don't know how many he's going to get. I mean, he's still going up against Oregon, as an example. They still have a lot going for them. I know USC and UCLA will be gone. Uh, but yeah, recruiting is obviously what it is. Is he going to get enough guys that are going to go to Colorado versus yeah. other Pac-12? Or I think other there's schools? enough.
0: I think there's enough 18-year-olds who want to go play for Coach Prime because he's Coach Prime.
4: Seven forty-six for
0: the sports animals here
1: on. E, thank you. On it should be could be. I'm sorry, I cut you off i was saying it could be that way, and it should be that way. It doesn't guarantee that it will always be, or well, will be that way automatically for him, or definitely for him. But it's going to be fun uh, to we're, watch. We're going
0: to take. We're we're going to we're going to we got to take a break, Gary. Okay. You look very uncomfortable <laughs> from that fence that you're sitting on. <laughs> Weather-wise, <laughs> well, I'm just giving you our time. I'm happy right uh, now. It's going to be partly cloud- partly cloudy, uh, light winds today. And uh, actually, it should be nice and cool today. We'll see if the uh, weatherman is correct come around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, that's your weather forecast. Now let's check your traffic on ESPN Honolulu. all right it's bowl season remember you can get your uh, tickets for the easy post hawaii bowl middle tennessee coming to town taking on san diego state a lot of local players on san diego state tickets at eTicket hawaii by the way the mountain west conference uh seven teams man seven teams they have seven bowl affiliations or do we score a few more because somebody else didn't qualify?
1: We had six automatic. I believe the seventh was an alternate. I forget with what other conference if they didn't have enough. But there's always at least six automatic. All right. In the Jimmy Kimmy,
0: in the Jimmy Kimmy, <laughs> in the Jimmy Kimmy L.A. Bowl presented by Stifle, I don't know what that is, uh, it's going to be Fresno State against Washington State. I'll take Fresno State
1: in that game. Washington State actually had a pretty good year. They upset Wisconsin on the road. Wisconsin obviously wasn't as good. And Fresno State, they won their last eight games of the season. They were 1-4 at one point and ended up beating Boise, of course, at the Mountain West Championship on the road, sadly. They've been playing yeah. as well as you could expect or hope for if you're a Fresno fan.
0: that That's why. I'm going for, I'm going for, uh, I would I mean, even though it was kind of a down year in the Mountain West Conference, I'm going for Fresno State in that game. Now in the Frisco Bowl. It's going to be Boise State against North Texas. North Texas gets in with a seven and six record. Uh, there was six and two, by the way, in conference USA play.
1: I don't know much about North Texas except the record you just gave. I don't know why, in some some of these cases, like the bowl game for Boise, that they don't keep them home. Like for Hawaii, we know if they're going to go to a bowl game, non you know, New Year's Day bowl or playoff, they're going to be in the Hawaii bowl. It makes sense. For Boise, they have the famous Potato Bowl or whatever it's called these days. Uh, just uh, And the Idaho Bowl, I guess, is what it's called. And you have San Jose State. No, coming there. I wonder- you, you got it half right both times. Put it together. And you have the famous Idaho Potato
0: Bowl. You okay. know what? They seem to never play in that bowl. Yeah,
1: yeah right, right. And for attendance reasons, um, you would think it would make a big difference. They yeah, there?
0: but maybe they show up anyway. Hmm. But yeah, so um the Frisco Bowl is Boise State in Texas. The famous Idaho Bowl, San Jose State, and Eastern Michigan. Poor Chevin Cordero. You're like, ah, the Hawaii bowl would have been so good. Instead, you're going to Boise. Yeah. You're going to Boise in December. Can you say cold?
1: Cold? You're not really going there for the you know the culture of the nightlife, I guess, and there isn't much there. But uh yeah, it would have <laughs> been a better coming home, I'm sure, for him and everybody else. All right. The Lockheed
0: Martin Armed Forces Bowl will have Air Force versus Baylor. Air Force was 9-3, and 5-3 and three in the Mountain West Conference. And I guess it's that 5-3 and three record in conference play that I'm a little disappointed in. I thought Air Force would be a lot better this year.
1: Yeah, I think they had that one upset loss, and I'm trying to remember if that was Utah State it was Wyoming. Thank you, Tanner. Uh, but other than that, they were a really good team. And what I like about this matchup, you have a really good offense with the running game against one of the better defenses, typically, with Dave Aranda there, even though they struggled this year. I think they only finished 6-6, six and six, Baylor did. Still, that should be a good matchup with yes. that defense versus that offense.
0: Yeah, Baylor, last year's Big 12 champions. This year, 4-5 and five in the Big 12. Hopefully, uh, Coach can turn that around. And that's coming up the day before the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl on the 22nd. I'm sorry, two days before. Uh, it's on the same day as the first day of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. Uh, coming up on uh, December 24th, of course, Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. As we mentioned, San Diego State against Middle Tennessee. Tickets available now uh, because you can see a lot of good football players. Tickets at etickethawaii.com. Uh, you've got the Serve Pro first responder bowl featuring utah state at six
1: and six against memphis at six and six somebody's gonna finish with a winning record and i think that might be the uh, the odd game i don't think that was a, n- a normal affiliation for the mountain west interesting because memphis last year was supposed to play hawaii they don't get them but they get a mountain west team this year a lot closer to home utah state played a lot better down the stretch Uh, Memphis was a pretty good team, but not a ranked team this year, but usually an entertaining team to watch, so that'll be a fun bowl game, I think, as well.
0: Uh, Finally, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. So it's Wyoming against Ohio. Ohio is a good football team.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much, I mean, I don't know about the fans coming out for a game like this. Maybe they will. It just doesn't seem like an exciting game on paper, but we saw what Wyoming did, and actually a pretty good football team. I didn't see much of Ohio because it's from the MAC, uh, but, uh, you know, it's affiliation, so you're going to have a matchup like that. Wyoming is playing pretty good as well. I'm glad that the Mountain West is well represented, though. That's kind of good for the conference in a down year. All
0: right, top stories coming up next. Also, Deshaun Watson, as expected, gets booed and struggles mightily in his debut for the first time in 700 days. All that coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Tingle bells, tingle bells, tingle all the way. Oh, hey. what hey. fun
1: it is to ride in, <laughs> in the finish chair bopping hey hey hey! <laughs> jingle,
0: jingle. happy holidays from all of us here at ESPN Honolulu it's the sports animals and um I don't I didn't hear about this but how come Ezekiel Elliott did not get fined for jumping into the Salvation Army uh kettle didn't well they he get al- fined and suspended for that before because they it was that like now. using a prop for a celebration it was a prop though yeah, they've used huh? that all
1: year. Thanksgiving they used it and jumped in it several times as well. Some of the other players did. Oh, okay. All right. It's allowed now, I that guess.
0: Was, gotcha. Okay, all right. Top headlines. Ah, bummer. The last time I'll bring it up. I'm so sad. Uh, I, I really, uh, you know, uh, followed and enjoyed uh, the Rainbow A volleyball season this year. Uh, their season is done. They get, uh, I say, upset just because I'm going off of a seeded team versus an unseeded team. So, to me, that's an upset in the NCAA tournament, falling to LSU in four.
1: Yeah, I believe that was an upset. Anybody around the country who looked at that score, even though it's SEC Power 5. And I guess if you want to break it down, even though Hawaii was seeded eighth and LSU wasn't seeded, it probably was an eight versus nine, which means I guess it was supposed to be a close match. It's just that we thought our team would win. You're up one set to zero and then lose right. three in a row. So, that was, it's tough. It was still a good year, but yeah, it's tough to yeah. accept that it ended so quickly.
0: I got a, uh, we got, we received a text that said LSU plays on a tough division. Hawaii has a good season, but weak division don't prepare for playoffs. If Hawaii was in the SEC, they would probably finish bottom half of the conference. LSU plays tough competition all year long. Um, Yeah, I don't know that much about it, but uh, thank you for the text at 808-296-1420. But I tell you what. I'll put up Riley Wagner, Amber Igedi, and Kalen Alexander with anybody in the country.
1: And I think if you were in the SEC, you would probably get a different bunch of recruits as well because you're in the SEC. Still, for their level, they got excellent recruits. They have one of the best players in the country, a lot of the best players in the country at their position, and nothing to be ashamed about at the Big West. Yeah, it's not going to get multiple bids in the NCAA tournament this conference. There's some good teams at the top. Still, we know this team is a really good team that can compete with anybody at the national level.
0: All right, we'll move on a couple of – well, Colton Wong on Friday got traded to the Seattle Mariners. Loving that.
1: Yeah, I know you are. You're a Seattle fan. I saw some of the comments on his Instagram page when he talked about it, and it seemed like there were a lot of maybe Hawaii transplants in Seattle who were really, really happy about that. So, yeah, a lot of fans happy, happier than having him in Milwaukee, where I don't think there were as many Hawaii transplants.
0: Yeah, and you go from Hilo rain to Seattle rain, so it's very, very cool. He'll He'll be be in in the rain a lot.
1: Yeah, Uh, let's see,
0: national uh, breaking news. The Mets have reached a two-year deal with Justin Verlander, $86 million in two years. Uh, Good money if you can get it.
1: I am happy he's getting the same money as Max Scherzer. They were teammates on the Tigers probably about 10, 12 years ago, and they're both a little uh, older. Both getting $43 million and I hope it works out. It's short term for both. Yeah. It's
0: 12 years ago. They're a lot older.
1: Yeah, they are a lot. But Verlander had an ERA of, I think, 1.73 Cy Young Award winner. The guy's great. Comeback Player of the Year. He, I'm not sure if he won it, but he should have. It's just that he's got a little bit of the injury bug before this past season, and I'm just hoping he can uh, be healthy. They lose Jacob to Grom. That was kind of depressing on Friday, but it wasn't a good contract for the Mets to match with Texas, so I'm hoping Verlander can be the real guy for them.
0: All right, uh,
1: quarter, former
0: number one overall pick, um, Baker Mayfield, has been
1: waived by the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I'm not sure how the fans feel about it. They probably don't care. Uh, didn't work out in Carolina. And you brought up something interesting earlier. For number one overall pick, what a flop he has been overall. Maybe, you know, he's been hurt and he's played hurt, but his career has not panned out as well as some of the other quarterbacks drafted before and after well. him.
0: I think three years ago he had a pretty good season. Last year, it was my argument was, hey, you know what? He did well the season before. Last year he played hurt. But what's your excuse this year? Maybe being on a different team? I don't know. But um, hopefully he's saved his money. I'm not sure he's going to be – I don't know. He'll be, If he wanted to be, he could be a backup quarterback for a long time because he's got so much starting experience. Yeah, but and you're the number one pick I on want that what's that
1: if you're the number one overall pick that's not your goal to be a backup no no player. no you
0: don't want that what i'm talking about is money i mean he's he's already proven that he's not uh, you know going to be a franchise quarterback in the nfl it looks like he might be destined to maybe be a backup quarterback for the rest of his career if he keeps playing like this another yeah. another interception ended their football game two weeks in a row uh late in the fourth quarter and that's not going to look good for marcus and You know, already the Falcons have, the Falcons have already played, uh, you know, probably won more games than people thought they would this year. But at the same time, they could have won more. And I think that Marcus maybe kind of hampered that. You know, with his turnovers, he's kind of hampered that. Now, I'm glad that they're letting him run and stuff. But if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win tonight, Do you then start going with your uh, with uh, oh gosh Desmond Desmond Ritter? Ritter.
1: Yeah. Do you start
0: going with Desmond Ritter if you're you know kind of slipping away from playoff contention?
1: I think that the topic comes up more and more each week because they've been losing where at least they were winning and in contention. So I think there's going to be a chance that that will happen sooner than later, uh, especially if Tampa went tonight or if Atlanta loses next week again. I think then you kind of see the writing on the wall that why stick with Marcus, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and I think Marcus is getting. You know, Kyle Pitts is. I mean, an unbelievable talent. Marcus has not been able to get him the ball like anybody wants. Kyle Pitts wants the ball more. The fans want it more. The the the, the team wants Kyle Pitts to get the ball more. And Marcus just had. I mean, Kyle Pitts is out for the rest of the year injured. He got just as many receptions uh, to you know this weekend as he did a month ago. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's. It doesn't look good for Marcus, but we root him on. And yes. he's a guy that will still be valuable and make you know five million dollars a year as a backup quarterback. You know who knows? Maybe he's going to turn it around. I'm not a Marcus hater. I'm a fan of Marcus Mariota, and I root for him every week. I was rooting for Marcus Mariota to beat my Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's it's uh, you know we got a few weeks left. Hopefully, he can play as long as he can, and they don't
1: go with the Rizmer, the Ritter decision anytime soon. Hopefully not. Hopefully he can get more get some more wins for the Falcons.
0: Also in bad news for Hawaii quarterbacks Tua vailoa They get they get smashed by the 49ers. The final score was what was it? 33 to 17. It yeah. was really 23 to 17 with a couple of minutes left, Tua making a drive, you know, it, as a fan you're thinking to yourself, okay, do we go for two or we go for one to tie it up when we score? <sighs> but it was not to be. I think and Tua was not accurate at all and he's the most accurate quarterback in the nfl leading up to this game and they just played it they just ran into a buzzsaw of a defense with Hufunga and uh nick bosa and eric armstead and all of these guys it was it was uh fred warner was in the backfield constantly um and it was almost like mental like tua was being hurried a lot you know, because his offensive line and a couple of the starters were right. Right, right. But Tua was, it was like rushing things or, you know, throwing the ball high. It, it was just he wasn't the normal Tua in that ball game, and I think the 49ers' defense had a lot to do with it.
1: And missing two offensive linemen, it's going to be different. So you can understand that too. But, right. yeah, it wasn't an awful game, but it wasn't one of his better games. He's had better games of late, but it was against the team. You wonder how, how different it would have been if you did not have those two offensive linemen there they're both tackles.
0: Yeah, all right, and the uh, college football playoffs are set. It goes number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, and Ohio State creeps back in to the CFP. So uh, what you're going to have is a Ohio State take on Georgia in one semifinal, TCU and Michigan. I would have loved, and I heard uh, you talking with Lisa Horn a little while ago uh, and at uh, pigskingrind.com. And I see – she even says – she doesn't think that the college football playoff committee wanted a rematch. And I say, yeah, no rematch. But if it's a rematch with Michigan and Ohio State, I think that's a rematch a lot of the country would love to see.
1: Yes, and I think it could go either way. There probably are a lot of people that would want it. Again, I agree with you and what what it should have been based on how good these teams are, but just based on what they – seemingly want or don't want with rematches i can understand and think there might have been a little something that went into it to avoid that at least in the first round
0: all right and uh you saw yesterday jimmy garoppolo out for the season with a broken foot man if you can take um trey lance's good foot and jimmy garoppolo's (laughs) good foot and put those guys together you got a pretty good quarterback unfortunately you cannot so you have mr irrelevant the man taken last in the nfl draft this year is Brock Purdy. Now, it's not the Purdies, not the Cowboys, from the Big Island. This is a different Purdy family. <laughs> but Brock Purdy, I, I, what a great story that would be because he looked pretty good yesterday. What a great story it would be if he can lead the 49ers deep into the playoffs. Then what do you do? Because you you obviously want Trey Lance to be your starting quarterback. What do you do with Jimmy G if Brock Purdy's a young and upcoming guy?
1: Well, Jimmy G is is an unrestricted free agent, I believe, at the end of the season. So they probably weren't going to keep him, but if he led them to the deep – playoff run maybe they would have so maybe that's an easier decision for them but you know for Purdy I remember Larry Kruger who uh, has a radio show in Sanford and he told us back in August that the Brock, Krug show the, the Krug, Krug show, show that Brock Purdy impressed him and that he thinks maybe he should have been the starter going into the season he said he might be the best quarterback among the three and he knew he was in the minority then But it looks like, I mean, there's only one game, but again, he looked really good yesterday. He's been in a couple of times, not playing as much as he did yesterday, but yesterday was by far the best game he's had so far. And if he can continue to do it with this great defense, and he's got big weapons around him, I'd love to see, that would be a great story as well, if the last guy drafted ends up leading them to a deep playoff run. Wasn't Jimmy G, It wasn't Trey Lance, people are on either side of that, and it could be door number three.
0: All right, Uh, Tanner just uh, got some breaking news. Jump in here, Tanner. Come in, come in.
4: So, yeah, it's announced via his own Twitter that Anthony Richardson, University of Florida quarterback, will be declaring for the 2023 NFL draft. Woo! Why? I think that's – well, because he's probably has put out his tape. It's sometimes for a lot of these quarterbacks where they're projected to be really good if they stay another year – that next year usually doesn't do really great for him. Take a look at C.J. Stroud. If this season didn't happen for C.J. Stroud, I think he's a lock for a top five pick. But due to this season, the question now is, well, will Levis go before C.J. Stroud? So I think Anthony Richardson sees wow. his opportunity. And looking at Florida right now, they're probably not going to be winning any SEC championship next year. So he probably sees the writing on the wall. I think it's smart for Anthony Richardson to put his name in there, he's got a lot of really great measurables. And I think there were uh, a couple of really good moments that he's put in throughout the year to maybe even compete to being the number three quarterback in this draft.
1: Wow. I, I was not impressed with him all year long. And Will Levis, by the way, outplayed Will him Levis? that came back in September when Kentucky oh. beat Florida. And I know they beat Utah first game of the season. Everybody was hyping Florida and Anthony Richardson up. But every time i watched him since then, I was really disappointed in him. And you're in, in Anthony Richardson? Yeah, I just thought he was overrated. And, I, again, they had that really good start. To the season, as, we, as I said against Utah, but after that, it looks like Florida as a whole was not that great. And I thought he was just a guy who was overhyped. Yeah,
4: I think with well, the Will NFL
1: is
0: just Will Levis actually. Will Levis actually just declared recently for the yeah. NFL draft, and ever since he did that, you're right, Tanner. I mean, he is. Uh, a lot of people say he's going number one overall.
4: I don't think I would put Will Levis as the number one quarterback. In my opinion. Just because when you look at uh-huh. his career overall, statistically, he hasn't been that great. I would say that Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are kind of in that same boat of not statistically great, but both have the measurables to be good NFL quarterbacks. Kind of that Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. slash you know, Daniel Jones uh, character of an NFL draft I gotcha, prospect.
0: Gotcha. You know what you sound like you're talking about about four years ago when people were talking about um, Josh Allen? Uh statistically, we saw him here in Hawaii. Statistically, he wasn't great. He's not the most accurate quarterback. I mean, if he keeps playing the way he does now, he's a Hall of Famer.
4: And, like, that's the great thing about the NFL draft. It all depends on where you get drafted. Uh-huh. Patrick Mahomes is probably not yeah. Patrick Mahomes if he gets drafted by any other team other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, maybe the Jets. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> – that's probably what you'd like. But, like, Josh <laughs> Allen, he probably is not Josh Allen if he doesn't get coached up by – the uh, offensive coaches that he's had if he was like a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold where you go to places like the Jets, unfortunately, not to rag too much on them, but the Cleveland Browns as well where they aren't necessarily known for generating really great quarterback talent. I think if you put uh, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis in a team like maybe the New York Giants where they do have Brian Dable who did come from Buffalo, coached up Josh Allen, to be one of these MVP favorites the last couple of years, I think they would prosper in a system like that to compete against Daniel Jones, who is showing slight improvement with a very, very terrible wide receiver room. So I like oh, yeah. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis probably about the same. I think they both have good potential, whether or not you look at how they played very well or not very well in you know spurts this season.
0: I uh, depending on where you look and we'll get more into this as we get closer, of course, you still have some folks that think Bryce Young should be the Houston Texans top pick with the number one pick overall. I'm not sure. You know, I just think that him being five eleven, that's going to scare a lot of people off. But anyway, good fun to talk about. I want to switch gears and talk a little NBA. How are how are your Nets doing, Gary? Oh, they're
1: on a nice roll right now. Though. Well, not yesterday, they lose to the Celtics. But Kyrie and Kevin Durant have been doing a great job, and they've been improving. Their record is, uh, I think, over five hundred now, and they've been stepping it up without Ben Simmons in the lineup, which is a good thing.
0: <laughs> Woo! Yeah, we're, we're we're thirteen and twelve. Well, from where Look they were, all the Hall of Famers on our team weren't they like and five we're and eleven? Just 11? above five hundred. Let's celebrate. You know who? You know who is? You know who seems to be unstoppable? The Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, really?
1: They've got Chris oh, Middleton back. That wasn't a hot time. take, was it? That wasn't <laughs> no. a hot take, was it? Sorry. I was <laughs> going to say like All Sacramento
0: right, or Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah, they're okay. Okay. I mean, they're fifteen and nine. Eh. Fifteen and nine isn't great. You know what? They're two great? games and back of Milwaukee. And seven. Sixteen and seven. 16 and 6, 19 and 5. Those are good records.
1: Yeah, but the two games in six back games of the walk over
0: bucks that you just praised. I know 16 and 6 is a big difference between 16 and 6 and the uh what team did I say you were saying? Cleveland the two Cleveland? games difference. Yeah, 16 and 6 is a lot different to me than 15 and 9.
1: It's only a two game difference. Milwaukee is supposed to be the best team, Cleveland's not. I
0: understand all right, well, okay, Kurt Heelan <laughs> from NBC Sports joins us coming up next on ESPN Honolulu.
1: we had a lot of football talk earlier, but there's a lot going on in the NBA on and off the court. We're going to get into it now as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's a lead NBA writer and managing editor at NBCSports.com. Back with us, Kurt Heelan. And, Kurt, let's talk about the Lakers, first of all. I know they've been playing better. Certainly, Anthony Davis has been on an incredible tear. I know you featured him uh, earlier in one of your columns for NBCSports.com. Fifty-five last night, forty-four the night before that. In his last ten games, only three games under thirty. What have you seen differently in Anthony Davis these days?
6: Um, well, let's start with the basics, Bobby. He's been healthy. He actually has, you know, he's not been banged up, and and that's a big part of it. I mean, he's just been—he's a guy who, through his whole career, has battled these kind of knickknack injuries, right? So that's part of it. But do you think the other thing is he has done something he? For Darvin Ham, that he pushed back against for a long time, which is, he's embraced playing the five. He has played almost all his minutes at center, and part of that is that they don't have other good centers. But look, he is the best. He's one of the best centers in the league when he plays there and when he's right And and you've seen it over this. He's playing at an All NBA level. Like he's he's in the Jokic Embiid center conversation when he's playing like this. And that carries this team a long way that makes them just so much better what is next for the lakers
1: i know they've been playing better of late. the big win in milwaukee on yeah. the road the other day uh other than that some some easy games if there's such a thing like with washington yesterday and i keep reading at nbcsports.com that they might make a trade in the next few weeks is it russell westbrook is it patrick beverly what do you think is next for them
6: um i don't know if it'll be in the next few weeks we'll see i mean December 15th is when things get serious because that's when most of the players signed this summer. There's a few that can't be signed until January, but most of the players signed this summer can be traded starting December 15th, and that just opens up the pool of possibilities. But the Lakers really have moved on from trying to – I don't want to say moved on. They would trade Russell Westbrook if they could, but that $47 million anchor of a contract that they have to attach sweeteners to – they're just kind of given – they're not going to find a home for it, is most likely, unless right. something radical happens. And they don't want to give up those picks for that. The more likely outcome, what they're seriously considering, is Patrick Nunn – I mean, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and a pick, some combination of that, to bring in – I mean, with those two guys and a pick – Now you're getting the guys who are making about $20 million a year. And if you can get – if the Pistons decide to move on from Bojan Bogdanovich, who's played fantastic for them, like that's a guy who could come in, plug and play, and be a real part of this roster. They're looking more at that kind of move to boost the rotation and hope that this team continues to play this way, that this team gets to the playoffs playing like they are right now. Look, they're they're not going to continue this probably all the way through, Right. But if they can get to this kind of level with a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron James in the playoffs and they can add a little more support around them, they're they're at the very least a tough out for anybody who lands them.
1: I keep reading how they're disappointed in Patrick Beverly. I haven't seen many of their games, but I see the numbers. Beverly probably is scoring as little as he normally does, but why are they disappointed in him? Is it his defense or lack of?
6: I think that they thought he'd hit more threes and he'd be better on offense. The defense has been, I mean, that's honestly what they kind of, I thought what they kind of brought him in for, right? Like right. They needed him to help turn around the defense on this thing, like he had done in Minnesota. And they needed somebody in the locker room who will hold LeBron James and Anthony Davis accountable. But I don't think that they've gotten the production scoring-wise that they need. And, by the way, it's also just a movable contract, right? Like, he's... He's a guy they can trade, and they just don't have a lot of guys. What you really are always looking for in trades, I mean, let me rephrase that, the, what makes you flexible in trades is having guys making somewhere between 8 and $15 million, $17 million a year. Like those, that's just easier to, to work deals. He's closer to that, right? Like suddenly, that's right. the kind of salary you can move, and there's a sense that if we lose him, we're not losing that much.
1: You can check out Kurt Heelan on Twitter, at Basketball Talk, as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM via the Aloha Kia Hotline. What is the story going on with Trey Young and the coach for Atlanta, Nate McMillan? He didn't play in a game on Friday night because Nate McMillan gave him a choice. Uh, can you get more into what really took place there with, with uh, Trey Young and Nate McMillan?
6: Let's start here. They have, there's been tension there for a long time, for a couple of years now. Um, and this is just the latest bubbling up of that, which is Trey Young's been missing time. He wanted to be a game-time decision with his shoulder. He wanted to go out and practice, and Nate McMillan wanted to know now, basically. You know, it was at shoot-around. He's like, no, you're either in or you're out tonight. And we're not waiting to game time, and, and Trey Young said, all right, then I'm out. and didn't come to the arena that night. That's The latest in a long string of things, and it's going to be interesting in Atlanta because they're not taking the step forward they thought they would this year. They thought when we get DeJounte Murray, we're going to get back to being, you know, if we're not Boston or Milwaukee, we're going to be at least a threat to them. They don't look anything like that, even with DeJounte Murray. So, coaches who don't get along, you know this, Bobby, coaches that don't get along with their star players don't last long in the NBA. But I will say that within, I, I've talked to people, within the Hawks, there is this concern like, we didn't get along with Lloyd Pierce. Now he doesn't get along with Nate McNell. Like, is the problem not the coach? And how far can we go? Like, is this, how do we help Troy be a better, Trey be a better leader? And I just, I think that this is a concern for them.
1: Yeah, I thought they'd be a little bit better with Murray as well, and he's putting up good numbers, and they're in first place, but barely over 500, and that's, one of the yeah. reasons is because Miami has struggled so much. I know Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup, but why are there other reasons why the heat have been under 500 as they are right now?
6: It starts with just injuries with them. Mm. I mean, they just, it's not just been them. They, they're, they've been banged up, up and down the line. And you just, they're one of the teams, I, the Clippers are kind of in this mode where I don't really know what they are yet because I just, you haven't seen them enough whole And, I think you saw it the other night. Jimmy Butler comes back, and suddenly they look really good against Milwaukee. Right? Like they they're they have a big game. Um, I think they are still a threat. The other thing that they had last year that they haven't this year is last year guys go down, and it's it's Max Struess comes out of nowhere and steps up. Gabe Vincent, uh, somebody you saw in college, you see Santa Barbara guy. Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah, he comes up and just is playing great for them. They keep finding those guys. They're like really haven't found another one of those guys. Those guys have been okay this year. Strucci's been good. Vince has been in and out, but he's been fine when he's there. But they
2: don't,
6: they've kind of reached the limit this year on guys we just pulled out that you don't know about that are you know, going to play so well. So they've just got to get healthy, and, and they might be a guide team to watch too. They would happily move Duncan Robinson for some depth if they can, if they can find a way.
1: I always look at the beginning of the NBA season and look at a team that might be a little surprising that maybe can make a run that people wouldn't have expected. I know New Orleans is one of those teams at 15-8, and yeah. eight, but I also look at Sacramento. Mike Brown now the head coach, and some of that young talent they've got, a lot of college stars on their team, and they're starting to play well. Are they a team that can make
6: the playoffs finally? I think so. I think th- Look, I think this team was built for that. This was not... This was not a team like, I don't know, let's, let's, I don't, it hasn't worked out well in Minnesota. But Minnesota took a big swing thinking, I, we want to go deep in the playoffs. Cleveland, we're going to go get Donovan Mitchell. We're going to make a big swing. We, we're thinking deep in the playoffs. That's not how they built the Kings. They built the Kings with, hey, you know, if we get enough of these good players together, we can make the postseason and break the streak and, and get some excitement back in the fan base. And that's what they've got. I think that there is a – I think there's a relatively low ceiling for this team in the postseason, but they're a good team. Demonte Sabonis is going to be solid and get you a double-double every night. Uh, they've got good role. Malik Monk has stepped up and been a great role player for them. I think Fox is having a better year. Um, they've just found a way to be good, and that right now, especially in the West right now with uh, you know the Lakers got off to a slow start and Dallas isn't quite right and stuff, they've, they've looked pretty good, and I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to make the top eight
1: biggest drought or the longest drought in the nba currently to not make the playoffs as sacramento it could and the way they are playing kurt always great talk in the nba i know a lot of people look at christmas as the unofficial start to the nba but you and i and others look at all season long and so far it's been a lot of fun and will continue to be look forward to having you on again in the future thanks again for joining us
6: i look forward to it bobby take care of yourself
1: all right, thank you so much. Kurt Heelan joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. And in the last couple of shows, I've been called Bobby. I've been called Chris. Uh, people don't know me, I guess, very well. I don't get the chance to talk enough, Chris.
0: I uh, can't get no respect there. <laughs> I had to tie a pork chopper on my neck so a dog would play with me. Uh, no respect, no respect. I'm sure that uh, Kurt does a lot of radio hits all the time. So he just has notes. Yeah. He'll say like, you know, ESPN on little host Bobby, you know, something like that. Although you have talked to him in the afternoon time.
1: Yeah, I well, he, he, usually on in the When Josh
0: has him on, when Josh has him on in the afternoon, then uh, he'll be like, "Hey, Gary, how you doing?"
1: And when I book him for the show, he probably thinks I'm like the guest getter, which I am, but I'm also a guy who talks. By the way, not, we're, we're talking the NBA real the quick. How come we don't talk I'm about? I'm the guy who. Your-
0: what do you do for a living? I'm the guy that talks.
1: What? <laughs> You don't talk about your Dallas Mavs so much these days. I mean, you talk about other teams that are struggling.
0: I switched. I switched, remember? Why? Are the Mavericks uh, are the Mavs, uh, are they uh, struggling?
1: Well, they're 11-11, and 11, but with the MVP, Luka Doncic, you would think they'd be better than that. Who's your team now? I keep forgetting. Miami Heat. Oh, that's right. Forgot. It's a different week. <laughs> they're doing good, too. They're 11-12. We'll right
0: ESPN Honolulu. Happy holidays from uh, Chris Hart, Bobby Dickman, Bobby Dickman, Taneray. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, having a good time here on the radio today. It's a bathtub party day, so today is a day. I know it's only Monday, Gary, but today you got to take a bath.
1: Could you make that up, or it's, is that really a thing?
0: No, it's really a thing. I, oh I wouldn't make that up. It's bathtub <laughs> party day. So today's the day where you skip the shower, you drag the TV into the bathroom, and give yourself a nice long soak before you go to bed.
1: Well, you don't take the TV in the bathtub, though. That would be frowned upon.
0: No, in the bathroom is yeah. what I
1: said. I know. I'm saying if you do um, it in the bathtub, it might here's, be your last one. Yeah.
0: That would be a pretty short bath. And plus the burning smell is just, you know, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: the, uh, the, I got some fun facts. Baths, not showers, but baths can help improve your immune uh, response and clear out your sinuses. I don't know why. Now, taking a bath before you go to bed can help you sleep deeper and longer because it relaxes your muscles and boosts your melatonin levels in your brain. Now, baths can also improve your circulation. However, it makes your heartbeat faster. So if you got a little ticker trouble, then stick to showers. But happy bathtub party day.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard that even taking showers at night helps you sleep better. But there was a, a Seinfeld episode way back when. Do when you they take just... a shower at night? Mostly, yes. Mostly, yes. Because I'm more awake. And do you I take just... a
0: shower in the morning?
1: Sometimes, yeah, I do that, too. But if I take one at, let's say, midnight. I'm not going to take one at 8 or 9 a.m.
0: Ew. I take a bath at night and in the morning. You take a bath? I mean a shower. Okay. If I go in the bath, all the water displaces and goes all over the floor. It's not a fun thing.
1: But but what I heard about baths that made me really think, and I haven't taken baths since I was a kid, is that why? and Jerry Seinfeld has said it on the show, you're sitting in a tub of your own filth floating around for 20 minutes or whatever it is. And when you think of it that way, I'd rather take a shower even more.
0: I guess. But you don't do it often enough to really enjoy it, you know, because so yeah, you know. Ew. Oh on me. It's so. Deshaun Watson uh got to start Ew. playing football yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people are saying. He got booed of course. And this was at I can they were playing in uh Texas, right? They're playing in Houston. Houston, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh yeah, so they booed him. I wonder do you think they, some people would boo him in Cleveland if he started? I bet there'd be some boos,
1: right? Yeah, there'll be some. I, and I'm interested in the reaction he gets around the country, of course. I mean, not that it was fitting that it was Houston, but you knew they would maybe give him the harshest reaction. Uh, oh. So that's understandable. I, I would think at home he will get some of that. I think in time it'll pass, though, and I, I don't necessarily like that. And I, I'll compare it with Michael Vick. I know it's a different situation. In time, it seems like if you can perform in the field of whatever sport you're playing in, maybe not all, but a lot is forgiven. What player has come back and faced scrutiny nonstop when he comes back from something serious? Whether it was a Greg Hardy, an Adrian Peterson, or the Sean Watson, we don't know. Uh, but I, I think, again, Michael Vick, At first, there were a lot of protests when he came back with Philly. After a while, you know, he kind of made amends, and that kind of went away. It might have still happened a little bit. And, I I mean, I feel a little strange about that because he shouldn't forget what he was involved with. But I think if you win, and that's what bothers me, if you win, a lot is forgotten and forgiven because the fans just want a winner. So maybe Cleveland will overlook that if next year he can lead them to a playoff spot. If he wins,
0: it's going to be tough. I mean, that's a tough division to play in. Yep. I mean, are you guaranteed success because is Deshaun Watson guaranteed success because he was good before? No. I, I don't know. I um, I mean, yesterday they twelve of twenty two for an interception. That was a bad interception. He threw into the end zone. Yeah, too. yeah, that was bad. I mean, obviously, he's going to look. He's not going to look great. Um, when you look at the twenty seven to fourteen score. I think two of them were defensive scores. And a punt So it return. wasn't all
1: him. Yeah, oh,
0: I'm sorry. A punt return and a defensive score. So no, two right?
1: defensive scores, a fumble return, a pick six, and a punt return. Three t- three touchdowns not oh, by the offense.
0: Okay. I'm seeing the highlights now. I forgot about the pick six. I remember the fumble return. It was like everybody started their drives in this game on the one yard line for some reason. <laughs>
1: yeah, they had a long drive but anyway, the yeah.
0: yeah, so so they scored six points under his offensive leadership.
1: Yeah, that's not much. And again, you can expect Russ in the first game. Although, remember one thing. He was going up against the worst team in the NFL, too. So it's a perfect scenario for him to get a win or have some success. I guess we'll know more in two or three weeks. We should expect a little more out of him. But he's not going to turn this thing around by himself, A, and he's not going to turn it around this season, of course, either.
0: Okay, how many games left do we have now? We have got uh, five more games?
1: Yeah, five more games. Five more games.
0: Okay, what if in five games he hasn't improved? Sorry, but I'd love to see that. I'd love to see – I'd love the Cleveland Browns to learn a lesson. And I'm, I'm – you know who I'm rooting for? All those women, the 10 – I think there's was about 10 women who were going to show up at all of his games just to boo him. And yeah. say, hey, look, we're still here. We haven't gone away, dude. You know – Anyway, Cleveland Browns, uh, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was, again, a score not indicative of how close that should have been. And just like the 49ers-Dolphins score, 49ers won, Sure. But, I mean, it's a couple of minutes left, it was almost tied up by the Dolphins.
1: I want to go back to the Cleveland-Houston game for a minute. I was reading comments by fans that were there, and one of the reports said that Watson, in warm-ups, was signing autographs, taking pictures with people wearing Deshaun Watson jerseys from Houston. Okay, he was great with the fans. And they interviewed fans, random fans, at the game, and one lady uh, said she was a big Houston fan from back when he played, and she still supports him because she doesn't believe any of this. She thinks a guy oh. like that would never be involved in that, so it's all made up, it's all false, and I'm all always going to be a Deshaun Watson fan. Again, that's her right, that's her opinion. That's hard to acknowledge from somebody on the outside like you or I, or at least me, thinking, how could you dismiss all of that? That's hard. I wonder if she has blinders on. I don't know, and I guess there were people like that probably going to think, well, he couldn't have been involved with this. There's just too many stories out there to think he's completely innocent, <laughs> if at all innocent.
0: You know who this sounds like?
1: You, no. me.
0: I just, I just think that all people on a team should be friends. I can't imagine people that are on a basketball team that don't get along. I, I never guess said I just that. want them to be friends.
1: You have said that before. are you before. talking about. No, I, do, I haven't. You said
0: the opposite. I'm talking about other stuff. I think that they should. I think that. Oh, there's so many that have come. I think that I like to watch players congratulate each other after the yeah, game. Yeah, that I do, sure. Because I think they're all, they're all friends.
1: I, don't, I think it's just the respect that goes on by being in that fraternity. I've never said I think players on the same team should be friends. I used to bring up Barry Bonds and Jeff Ken, how they weren't friends. Uh, they were teammates, and that's one example. So you're you're way off there. Um, going back to Man, Watson, though, I, I thought that was an interesting comment from a female fan. Yeah, you are misremembered.
0: Yeah, you're right. it was a – yeah, it was, and it was, but I mean, that's how some people are. Well, mm. oh, you never do that, really. H- how do you know?
1: Yeah, it was really <laughs> interesting to see some of the uh, comments anyway. there. But a lot of people hated hated him with their comments. Again, it was only about seven or eight people interviewed out of. Like, it was only half full of stadium. Also, I mean, that's pretty bad that you're getting an NFL game and it's only half full.
0: Yeah, and maybe nobody wanted to be there for that game.
1: Yeah, it could be. Right. 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 And again, it is a Texans All right, So, so what ha-
0: you know what? What happened to? I didn't see exactly what ha- exactly what happened to Lamar Jackson.
1: I didn't see the play. He got a leg injury, and they—I they, mean—that was an awful game for both teams. Well, Denver is used to scoring nine points a game; that's about their average. <laughs> but for Baltimore, they got—they had a ninety-one-yard drive at the end of the game, too. You talk about teams starting deep in their territory, and it was uh, Tyler Huntley who got the job done from Lamar Jackson, played just in the first quarter, I believe, and was out three or four passing, didn't really rush for anything. And it's a, I think it's an ankle injury for him, and they're saying he could be out. He'll be out days, if not weeks, but not months. So it's not going to be season-ending. The fact that he's got this at all, though, makes you really wonder about that. It's a knee injury, excuse me. It's a knee injury on a sack right at the end of the first quarter. Uh, but he Man. went down into the went to the tent and then went down to the tunnel afterwards, and that was the last we saw of him. So they say non, it's not season ending. That's great, but the fact that it's not day to day, week by week, makes it sound like it is going to be more than a week or two, which is trouble for them being tied with Cincinnati right now. All right, it, you know,
0: it's interesting right now because two of the the two hottest teams in the NFL are the San Francisco Forty ers and the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind seeing that Super Bowl at all.
1: The rematch from the – we had that in the 80s, I believe, probably. But, yeah, Cincinnati, I mean, getting Kansas City like that. I still think it's Kansas City in the AFC. Oh, sure. And I thought it was Kansas City and Miami without being too tour bias. Miami's been that good as well. They've been really hot. And now I – yeah, but Cincinnati's been playing better and better. They get Jamar Chase back yesterday. That only helps them. In the NFC, I thought it was San Francisco and Philly. Now I'm wondering about Dallas because I think Dallas, San Francisco, and Philly are the three best teams. But without Garoppolo, I think it might be Dallas and Philly in the top two in the NFC.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't know that Dallas is going to catch Philadelphia. They'll have to be a wild card, and they probably yeah. you know they would be right. I mean As the of way now, things sure. are going now. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, I don't know. I thought that Dak Prescott would be better. And here's where I'm coming from, fantasy-wise. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> right,
1: right. But he did good yesterday. Well, actually, he, didn't have to, he had three touchdown passes, I believe. Ah, uh, but they just had a complete. You only had win. like
0: sixteen points. You only had like sixteen points yesterday. It was a
1: defense that, and I, I went up against their defense and the running game. Yeah, but I went up against the their game. defense, so I wasn't happy about that fourth quarter. That's for sure. The most points they've scored in the fourth quarter in the franchise's history, which you would think at thirty-three yeah. in a quarter.
0: Here's the here's your problem. The Dallas Cowboys, to me, kind of mirror the San Francisco 49ers, Take away the quarterback position, obviously, because the injuries. Because you got teams with really good running, uh, running attack, you got good offensive lines, and you got great defenses.
1: Yeah, top two defenses in the league right now, right? Yeah, that's a good point, good point. Better right. quarterback right now, but both teams are also playing their best football this season right now. Right,
0: seems... and, and yet nobody's talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, Jets played a good game yesterday. Good they comeback. played a fine game yesterday. Yeah, but it was, you know what? The Minnesota Vikings are 10-2. and two. Why aren't we talking about that yet? That was a big win over a quality team yesterday.
1: I think one of the reasons we're not talking about them as much, and Aaron Schatz uh, earlier in the show from Football Outside said they're the worst 10-2 and team maybe ever in the history of the game. When they were 8-1, and they were the worst 8-1 and team because they're right. barely winning games. They come from behind victories, yeah. which they get credit for, but their are for and again, they're only 10 over, and that's one of the reasons right. they've been barely winning, but they've been on the good side yeah. of it more often than not.
0: But I think that, but I think that also re- – Represents a good football team. Yes. I mean, they say, oh, they're the worst six and one team. Well, they're the worst seven and one team. Well, you know what? It's a month later, they're 10 and two. It's the worst 10 and two team. Then they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's the worst Super Bowl team ever. Stop it. They're winning football games, and that's a point. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Gary's favorite, song Man, we went over a lot today. Didn't get a chance to talk about Draymond Green, so he got that, what was it, $25,000 fine because he yelled at somebody in the audience because they were heckling him. And then the guy that was heckling goes, that's not right. I'll match that and give that money to charity. How cool is that? That's What a great story. Hey, uh, the crime dog, Fred McGriff, the crime dog, got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame.
1: He's the only guy that got in. I think he had 492 homers. A really, really good player. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to get in. He did. I would have liked to have seen Don Mattingly get in, and he doesn't get in once again. The Bonds-McGuire thing, you understand, and Clemens, you know, because of their P- okay. alleged use. But for Fred McGriff, yeah. it's a good deal. The crime dog is in. That's good.
0: Yeah, and he was so happy. I don't know if you saw the video that was on there. He was so stoked. But the okay, so you need to get seventy five percent of the votes, right? Yes. Yeah. And there's only sixteen people that voted, so Don Mattingly got eight votes. He twelve. Why would Don Mattingly? Why would you not? Why would you not vote for Don Mattingly? I, I don't know. Uh, no, not a Hall of Fame type guy.
1: I thought he is, and a lot of people do, but apparently not enough. I think he's obviously borderline to most people, but. Uh, I, I, I mean, McGriff didn't hit 500 homers, a wow. magic number, but I think Donnie Baseball should get in, and hopefully he will somehow.
0: <laughs> uh, all it says is that Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens, and Rafael Palmaro got less than four votes. So anywhere from zero to three votes. Nobody likes them. Anyway, that'll do it for us. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. Josh Pacheco coming up in the afternoon. Um, let's talk sports with Kanoa. I believe uh, Kanoa is back. He'll be on at 12 noon. We'll see you tomorrow.